welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined as always by co-host Ryan Donnelly, who has recently been hired as the woke lawyer for Jeremy Pruitt, former Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Ryan, I see that you've been you've been doing a lot of work in that role, and I'm very glad for you. I think that that's a role that fits you really well. How's it going, man? It's great. And what's also awesome about this joke is that we're definitely not recording this the day after it happened, which is, you know, eight no. or nine days people hear this. No. So it's going to be super topical and they're going to be <laughs> what they're going to be like what loving I, this. What I'm guessing is that it's still going on. It's still the biggest story in sports that Jeremy Pruitt <laughs> has gone woke and that was why he was fired by Tennessee. Um, yeah. They, uh, he was fired for woke, which is a classic thing that happens. He went woke and he went broke, of course. He is totally broke. He has no money left and you are his, uh, you're his state appointed lawyer you're the one that the, that the state had to give him because he had no money left he went broke i'm uh yeah i'm, I'm the uh what's his name <laughs> fucking oh man who's the italian guy and everything the guy uh who plays in the night of that show uh i'm john torturo's uh, uh i'm john the, i'm john torturo in the night of yeah um sure. is he actually italian or is he latino but kind of vaguely italian looking i have um, i have no idea the, see the, this is the difference between <laughs> you and me is that the lawyer i would have gone with was lionel hutz who has no race because okay. he's a cartoon character and so that's good news it's, it turns out he's italian by the way we're okay. unsafe all right cool well you're going i'm also you're going that guy mode and you're also going lionel hutz mode yes and also people forget i am the only latino italian in america <laughs> that's true <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're the craziest ass Latino white boy to ever do it. Um, and we're hearing that more and more. And that, that is why Jeremy Pruitt uh, retained you as, as, as his, his representation. Yeah. He loves a quirked I, up I guess, Latino white boy. Patrick, if you don't mind, I'm just going to get it on record right now as all the, all the ethnicities I can claim here. Yeah. Um, I am Italian. I am Irish. I am, I can say anything Northern European. I can pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I am Latino. Um, I am also, I'm just vaguely Argentinian as well. Yeah. Um, and then I'm also Serbian. I can claim that one. I'm not actually, but I have an aunt that's Serbian, so I can take that one. Yeah. Um, that's yours. Yoink. Yep. And as a result, because of course we do know Serbians, and this is no controversy here, we all know that all Slavs are just subservient to Serbians. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so <laughs> uh-huh. anything Slavic, that's me too. And then as a result, I'm also kind of Russian because I'm I'm Slavic and also kind of Ukrainian. Who was so I I'm playing both sides. I go in all the time. Yeah, who was the politician? I'm sure you remember this. Who was like doing the the speech where he's like, "I'm black, I'm gay, I'm Latino, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm disabled." Who was that? Was that Andrew Cuomo? I think it was. I, I think it was Cuomo. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Did you see the Chris Cuomo appearance of the Adam Friedland show? Of course I did. Yeah, I didn't listen to it or engage with it in any way, but I did see he was yeah. on there. So. Um, what would be our version of that? Who, who's our, I mean, it would be Jeremy Pruitt, I guess. <laughs> would just For us be, to get on the show, it would, who's just, our quiz it, pro- it would just be Jeremy Pruitt. No, no, no. Cause you have to think Chris Cuomo is also in the media space with Adam. So it's yeah. like, who is the guy that's oh. the most opposite from us that would like come on the show. And also like the funny thing with the Cuomo thing is he immediately got the bit like incredibly yeah. well which is just making fun of adam like That's he just awesome. understood that the point of the show is to be mean to adam yeah <laughs> so who can we get that does that for us i guess maybe like maybe like danny cannell would that be the pick is it maybe like that adam, <sighs> that that adam brenneman guy his brain looks pretty i don't empty. think danny cannell's funny though right that's the problem no, of course not um, um who is I, they're not there's not they're I, not if very simmons funny. liked college football he could do it yeah 
Yeah, I mean, but he I, couldn't. I guess, unfortunately, the answer, unfortunately for you, I would probably do fine with this. Um, I think the answer is probably Spencer Hall, um, which I, it would it would create no, probably the last episode not... of Flipping the Field because I don't think you Cause... could I don't think you could behave yourself on that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he's like establishment media, you know? Yeah. Um. Well, none of the establishment college football guys are funny. Like, there, Mark May was the last one who's funny, and he's working for like. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where Dan, he's working now. Dude, I, I'm sorry. I just realized that the answer is Pat McAfee. Oh, yeah, I guess so. That's too bad. That's not maybe <laughs> maybe Lou Holtz. What what about Lou Holtz or maybe even Skip Holtz? I know he's not in the media, but then he would have kind of the Cuomo <laughs> thing going on. I think we could get Skip Holtz on the podcast. I think he was. Well, really, I think he just did it last episode, but Mac Brown would crush with us. Mac Brown would be awesome. We would do really well with him. He would, unfortunately, he would end up taking one of our spots. I don't know which one, but the fans would not. They would never. It's mine. They, Come they on. wouldn't let You're us just... go. They wouldn't let it go. They would just want it to be Mac all the time. I. I'm the riff guy of the episode. I mean, like, obviously, you're a very funny person too. But like, you are more uh-huh. of like, if we're if we're you're the straight man. Yeah, I'm kind of the <laughs> I'm the color guy. You know, like we if we're playing the characters. So, I mean, Mac would just take my job in a heartbeat. Unfortunately, we could call the show. We could do like a night, like a like a post game, you know, Saturday night show that we with him on that we could call Mac tonight, uh, playing off of the <laughs> McDonald's commercial from the 1980s. I think that that would be really good, and that would that that reference would hit with a lot of our fans. Um, and we could also we could also do a politics episode with him just called Bernie Mac, ooh, um, where okay. we get him to talk about Bernie Sanders for some we, reason. We could also do a, an episode called Bernie Mac where we get an AI voice voice uh, voice <laughs> chat Bernie Mac on the podcast and we talk to sort of his his ghost essentially. I think and, that would and be he's cool. he's riffing and making fun of college football coaches with us, but he keeps saying I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that's what he's doing. It's kind of the main. It's basically a soundboard. It's basically a Bernie Mac soundboard <laughs> that we're having a conversation with. That would be pretty good maybe we, that would honestly be fun yeah, maybe we look into doing that sometime um we're not doing that this time ryan what are we doing this time oh uh, we're about the big 12 patrick it is it sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> it sucks it sucks a little bit but it's also kind of fun like the big 12 sucks in the way it's distinct from the way the acc sucks like the acc sucks because i mean for years it was just always like who's the team that loses to clemson mm-hmm. and now it's like is it Clemson or Florida state that wins the league? Yeah. And then which quarterback goes in the first round? That's kind of the new thing. Yeah. Uh, but the big 12 sucks in the sense it has a lot of bad teams, but also it's fun because you get to see the blue bloods constantly get embarrassed by teams that are worse than them. Yeah. And you also never know who's going to win this league. Like the big 12, I feel like has the most variability now that Oklahoma is like, I mean, really once like the Bob Stoops prime ended, like the big 12, I guess the thing that Riley had a run, but like, the Big Twelve is pretty wide open every year, which is fun. It's it, it leads to like you know some excitement. Like there are probably five or six teams who can win this league this year if things break right. Yeah, um, that's fun. I mean, you know Texas will fuck it up, so it's not going to be Texas. So yeah, I, I mean that's exciting. So yeah, I don't know. Kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, do you just want to dive right in, or do you, well, do you have any general takes the league? We yeah. should probably do our our plugs real quick before we jump in. But the the only thing I would say on the league on in, in general is. It is unbelievable how much steam has come off of this league in the last, like, six months, basically. Because when this was assembled, when we were looking down the barrel of this 14-team league with BYU, with Cincinnati, Houston, and, and uh, UCF joining, 
right? Like, like this time last year, we were super excited about what this was going to look like, about what the new Big 12 was going to look like. It was dynamic. It had a bunch of fun coaches. It was going to have a bunch of really good teams, but no one truly dominant. Um, and that is basically what this past this past offseason and past season in some cases has ruined because BYU is no longer viable, and, and we're going to talk about that. It, it's does not seem like they're going to be especially good this year. Cincinnati uh, lost its head coach and replaced him with Scott Satterfield, who is the the most boring coach in America. Um, Houston was dog shit last year and is, is sort of in the same place as BYU. And then UCF, which is the one we hate most of those four, is the one that looks to be the best positioned coming into this season. And they don't do anything interesting schematically. They just put a really bad running quarterback back there and then run an offense from 2011, right? Like, this is... The the heat has come off of this conference very, very fast, and I think it still could be fun, but I don't think it's going to be good this season by any means. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the exact correct read on it, what I have, and, like, especially because... A lot of these teams that like where we we do have faith in, like you said, they just miss time to jump. Like Cincinnati fucked up a higher. They're going to be like useless for the next three seasons. West Virginia has has a. I mean, they're not a new team, but they have it like a a lame duck head coach. Yeah, they UCF they didn't just make had... the hire that we were expecting them to make this past offseason. <laughs> right. right? We were thinking it was going mean, to be a fun new guy in there, and it's just the same old guy. Just the same old guy, and I mean, like, I don't know. Besides that, BYU just has like one of the worst defenses of all time. And like, I don't, I don't see them kind of getting better this year. They also lost their, like their good player. their one good player. Yeah. Um, it's unfortunate. You know, I, I mean, UCF puts a cap on their team just by virtue of the way they play. Yeah. Like it's a team that can, I haven't probably won eight or nine games this year, but like, they're not going to actually win a conference title because they're not like very serious at football. Yeah. We're, so yeah, UCF is the capper of the year. We've declared them. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the capping <laughs> it's the capping staffs program in college football. Um, so true. Yeah. Uh, so before we do this, real quick, we will do our plugs. Of course, one of them being meetupmidfield.com, which is the website that is associated with the podcast. That's where you can go to get the premium episodes. Um, we are uh, out of free week, I suppose, at this point, but we do still have uh, active the July 25 code. Ryan, what is the July 25 code? July 25 code is 25% off your first purchase of a Meet at Midfield membership. So that could mean your first month. It could mean your first six months, your first year. Whichever membership you want to buy, um, you can get 25% off with the code July25. That is uh, uh, J-U-L-Y, the number two, the number five. Yeah. Uh, and that applies to existing members too. So if you're someone that's already subscribed to us, you've been paying monthly, you want to pay for a longer membership and lock in for the season, um, you can get you know get that discount and upgrade too. Yep. Um, so we would love to have you, of course. Uh, I mean, folks listen to this and know what we do at this point, I think. But uh, it's always someone's first podcast, like you say. And um, we do breakdowns like this in a lot more depth in a text format. I mean, you, you kind of get the quick highlights here, the relatively quick highlights. We still always go long, but you get the much more in-depth version uh, on the articles. And then of course, too, we go deep on the board uh, on this and kind of discuss it with the whole community, which is fantastic. and has fans all over the country. We're one of the only, you know, national, I think probably like at this point with the rivals main board kind of dying, yeah. we're pretty much the only national college ball message board. So if you want to come interact with fans of other teams, it's a great place to do so. Um, there are discord shit like that. But I think the format of message board is so much better. We love it. Um, we also, the premium podcast, we'll get, you get one of those a week during the season, two of those a week during the season. Right. Um, one of those uh, one of those how's weeks. that work it's, one of those a week plus yeah. with high street freaks it's two yeah ba- um, basically what you get during the season with the premium podcast of this uh, the premium episode of this podcast is that we kind of that's the episode where we can sort of get in our bag and expand on our thoughts whereas the regular episodes the free episodes are the uh basically the preview and the recap episodes and so the the premium one is kind of 
where we actually talk about what's going on instead of just reacting or previewing, um, which I, I think is, is fun and is sort of uh, congruent with what we are doing at Meet at Midfield, which is trying to do that in-depth analysis and trying to do stuff that you're not going to get anywhere else because a lot of other college football websites are uh, either stupid or they think you're stupid. Uh, we don't think you're stupid. We are willing to give you better stuff than that. We're not just going to give you slop. Um, and so that's sort of what the, the in-season, the in-season premium episode is for. Um, this is the, the, uh, to call it a membership is not wrong, but I do think it is funny to say that because it's like, we have a pool, right? It's like, it's like you're, you have a membership <laughs> to a rec center. You're, you're, you, know, you can get into the pool with the membership. You can get the basketball courts are open now that you, now that you're subscribed. Um, that's, uh, yeah. that's good. We need to get a pool. I and don't know what we're doing. We also we have, we have a like message a board. We don't have a pool. Correct. Like a pool though. We do also have ice cream sandwiches for membership. So yeah. That's good to look forward to. That's true, and you can't go in the water for 15 minutes after eating them. So you're gonna want to th- you're gonna want to think about that. Um, speaking of places you can't go into the water after 15 minutes of consuming, uh, homefieldapparel.com. Uh, use the code <laughs> Meet at Midfield for 15 percent off your first purchase. Now, what are you purchasing? It would be a shirt. It could be sweatshirt. It could be sweatpants. They've got bomber jackets. They got some hats. It is high quality collegiate vintage apparel. Uh, for just about every school, they've just added Oregon, which was the big one that people had been waiting for for a long time. They got Oregon in there. I don't know how they managed to do that, given Oregon's proximity to Nike and Phil Knight, but they've done it. Um, Homefield Apparel is unstoppable. They are rapidly expanding. They are taking over the East Coast by the end of this year, um, and we all support their reign. We support the reign of Homefield Apparel as the dominant political party in America, uh, and if you use the code Meet at Midfield, you can get 15% off your first purchase and you can support their continued rise uh to uh to power we look forward to connor's dictatorship so true so true he's a benevolent dictator as well like you could have a lot worse right yeah he gives us food gives us water yeah we have enrichment activities um it's a good setup yeah they've yeah they have like uh like a rope toy for us that we can sort of play with and it keeps us keeps us engaged you know keeps the mind sharp yeah we have to we have to solve a puzzle to get peanut butter out of our toy every day yeah um that would be nice that would be nice i just don't get peanut butter out of toys enough anymore and i think that uh that home field can <laughs> can fix that they call this we're on the kramer plan we're, we're going yep. kramer mode um ryan let's go kramer mode let's talk about the big 12 let's start with baylor what the hell's going on in waco yeah, um, Dave Aranda is, is, I mean, look, it was a pretty disappointing season last year. We can acknowledge that. You and I have high hopes for for Dave Aranda. Yeah. And I think this was a pretty significant step back in kind of what we think of him as a coach. Maybe not his long-term potential, but in the short term, it, it sucks to see this happen. It, yeah, um, it, it was right up there with NC State for the most disappointing seasons of 2022. They just weren't very good. They just straight up, yeah. they just weren't very good. They were They were hovering around bowl eligibility, and we were expecting them to be a title contender in this conference, and they just... They just weren't for whatever reason. Yeah. The good news, like at our, our kind of evaluation, maybe that was like a ruthless, like climber in a way that we appreciate, like, like Aranda is just a utilitarian, right? Like he wants to have the best football team on the field. He does not really, he's not very, uh, a very emotional guy. Like he's not really about the player relationships. Not, not like to say he's a bad guy, yeah. but it's a guy who, who is trying to win games at any cost, basically within his potential, not in a Bryles way, but in like a, Hey, who can I cut? Who can I bring in? you know, what coaches can I fire? Who can I hire? And he hired like his own mentor or fired his own mentor. Rather Uh, Ron Roberts, we talked about last year was his DC for a long time here. And also was like the guy who gave him his first ever serious job. Yeah. Uh, Roberts hired uh, him as a DC at Delta state uh, D2 school all the way back in 2007. Uh, And is like pretty much the biggest influence on Aranda's career. 
he kicked his ass to the curb this year. He yeah. fired him. And like in a very like Sith roll of two kind of move here, he brought in Matt Pallage, who was his own pupil, who were under him in Waco previously before going to be the co-DC for Dan Lang in Oregon last year. Yeah. Brings him back as DC. He also got a really good uh running backs coach hire with AJ Stewart, who's the guy who um got Damon Martinez rushing last year in Corvallis, a player who I love. We were mm-hmm. gonna talk about him in the Pac 12 preview. Mm-hmm. But um two really good hires the offseason. Um they do lose some dudes, right? Like there are some guys gone from this roster, uh, especially on defense. And, and it was like already a pretty tough year for defense that we expect to be excellent. Yeah. I mean, losing Siaka Ika, who was the third round pick for the Browns, a player I love and wanted in Pittsburgh, um, you know, losing Dylan Doyle from the linebacker room, who also played fullback a little bit, losing Mark Milton, Al Walcott and Christian Morgan, in the secondary, uh, you know, losing four of their own line starters, like, they lose a lot of guys. They're also lost their second lead receiver in Gavin Holmes and Craig Williams. Uh, those guys are the number two uh, running backs and receivers, you know, respectively. Um, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's a lot of guys to replace with team that already had a pretty tough year, but Aranda also course corrected with a heavier transfer class that he was not very big on going into last year. So I think he's learning from the mistakes, which is all we ask for, right? Like, I, I don't ask for coaches, especially this level of football, to be perfect. I don't expect you to win eight or nine games every single year. I do expect you to learn from your mistakes to coach and improve on them. Like he had a non-recruiter in Roberts and a guy who really wasn't getting the job done despite having the reputation as being like the, the coaching dude. If that unit failed, if you're not bringing value as a recruiter and your unit suffers, you're fired, right? That's what happens. Like, yeah. And same thing, if you're not getting enough talent via recruiting, you have to do more via the portal. And Aranda realized that and corrected by adding talent to the portal. Like he, he is learning from his mistakes and improving, which is a heartening sign for me, despite the setback last year. Yeah, for sure. And, and you see a lot of those, it's not only on the offense, but you see a lot of those big time transfers coming into an offense that I think needs it and, and, and needs some proven production. They bring back Blake Shapen at quarterback who was, I don't know, what's fine. our consensus? He was fine, right? He was fine. He, he, he was... He showed some really, really impressive moments, and then also he looked like a first-year starter a lot. And I, I think yeah. that the guys around him didn't necessarily help him out a ton, um, but he also did not... He was not perfect by any means. He was fine. And I think you can be excited about him and about potentially a year-two jump for him as the starter, uh, while also understanding that he was not, like one of the better quarterbacks in the conference last year. He was fine. He was totally, totally fine. He is average. He is a competent starting quarterback. They need him to be more than that this year. Um, You start to see some of these transfers up on the offensive line where they have four starters to replace. And so rather than trying to just do that internally, which I think they maybe would have done before the 2022 season, um, they went out and they grabbed a pair of BYU transfers, the Barrington brothers, Clark and Campbell. Um, These dudes are awesome. These dudes are really, really good. Yeah, they are. They are sick. Um, I I mean, especially Clark, right? Like Campbell is, I, I I think, kind of coming along. He was a freshman All-America in 2021 and then took kind of step back in playing time last year because BYU's line was uh, pretty veteran. But like, yeah. you know, Clark is just straight up like He's one awesome. of the best offensive linemen in America. He has 40 career starts, an All-American, 
The dude's a stud, like he, just a freak. He has been, if I'm remembering right, he's been getting like first round hype uh, from from draft guys. He he is yeah. He is touted. He's a little old, which will, which will be tough, but like he he's going to be a top fifty or seventy pick for sure. Yeah. Well, and, um, and if we're just talking about college football, which in this case we are, uh, love to have an old offensive lineman. Love to go get yes. one of those BYU guys who's been around forever and who has you know three kids and a mortgage. Like that's that's Dude, ideal wait, for offensive linemen. <laughs> just wait till you get to the next team because I've talked about that with you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just if if you get a chance while you're reading this before the next section here, pull up the uh, the BYU Wikipedia page because I quote directly from it okay. for the 2023 football team just to see how many players are whatever. We'll get into that in a second. Yeah, yeah. But Clark rules. Um, I, I think he's going to play. He can play really anywhere. I mean, it's it seems like they're going to put him at left guard uh, and with Campbell at left tackle, which is really solid. They have their right tackle back. Um, they also have. A couple guys who they like a lot. I mean, Tate Williams is a guy who has, has been in the rotation for a long time at the offensive line, and I was going to start. And it's that they have a true freshman who might start here. The guy they're really high on, a top 200 recruited tackle, Isaiah Robinson. Yeah, That's a little nerve-wracking, but he, he's he has the right body type. He looks good. Um, they also have a running back I'm really high on, Richard Reese. He was mm-hmm. a freshman All-American last year. I think one of my top 20 or 25 running backs in America this season, Yeah, if I recall correctly on my list, a, guy, a player I'm super high on. Um their defense has some guys each level coming back, which is nice. It's not like an exodus at one position group. You know, they have they have Gabe Hall and DJ Franklin back at the line, Matt Jones back at linebacker, Devin Lemire at safety. Um, the offense has good skill players. And like, I'm hoping based on Aranda's like trend of self-scouting here, he's also given the directive to Jeff Grimes of like, hey, Blake Shapin is not, you know, he's not a first round pick or a quarterback, right? We know that now. Like, even if he gets better, he's never going to be like one of those dudes. Like, you can't be putting the ball in his hands to win games every week. Yeah. You have a really good running back. You have a pretty nasty and big O line. Like, run the rock and let shape and contribute to the running game, but don't expect him to throw for 3,500 yards like he's Zach Wilson, you know, and, and Jeff Grimes' is BYU offense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that basically this offense is going to come down to how well the line clicks into place, right? Because, like you said, Reese is awesome. I mean, Reese is, is one of these guys who I think is going to be just dominant for three years and then go to the NFL. He was a freshman All American last year. Uh, freshman of the year in the Big 12, rushed for almost 1,000 yards, uh, 14 touchdowns. He's one of these guys, he's he's smaller, I think he's like 5'9", 180, um, but super quick, really, really good vision, um, just a super fun player to watch. A guy who has existed a lot in the Big 12 and who has had a lot of success in the Big 12 is this kind of body type at running back. I think he's going to be the next one of that of that group. Um, and the rest of the skill core, like you said, I think is, is fine. They've got receivers who they can trust. They've got tight ends that they like. I think it's just going to be, can shape and keep things on track. Can Grimes adjust a little bit, which that's closer to the offense that he ran at BYU without, you know, Zach Wilson obviously had the year that he had, but like they ran the hell out of the ball and they did it in a lot of ways. They had a lot of different ways to attack you on the ground. And I, I would like to see that kind of come back into this offense a little bit more, um, and if the line can handle that, I think that this could be one of the better offenses in the conference, which is probably what it needs to be if they want to reach, you know, what they want, which is to be a title contender. Yep. Agreed. Um, the defense, it, like I said, like replacing Ika is, is, a, is a real challenge. Yeah. They brought in a guy who I think you probably know more about than I do, but they brought in a uh, Jarrell Boykins out mm-hmm. of uh, Louisiana tech, who is, Six foot six and the three hundred and forty one pounds. Um, <laughs> he's a big boy. He's a big boy. That's what I know about Jerome Boykins is that he's a big boy. Dude, I mean, like 
he loves these guys. He loves the kind of guy. I mean, they had him. They he had him all it. over. He's used to coaching at LSU and Wisconsin, yeah. which are could not be more opposite ends of the country, but also love that kind of player. Um, I mean, they have Gabe Hall is really good, you know, disruptor here. You have TJ Franklin, who I mentioned. I think they have a pretty good defensive front, and the linebacker group is pretty stout too. Like Matt Jones is was an honorable mention all Big Twelve guy. Uh, Mike Smith out of Liberty is really really good. I think a, a, probably a Sunday player. Yeah, uh, and Garmon Randolph and Bryson Jackson can also contribute here. I think the front is solid. The thing is just that, like, they really only have they really only have Lemire back at, in the secondary, right? Like AJ McCarty's played some at nickel and should start there this year. They brought in Isaiah Dunson at corner to start for Miami. Like, they need to get some some answers from the secondary pretty fast. And Aranda and Pollage, because like I, I don't know they're going to have a pass rush with this kind of front very quickly. Yeah. So the secondary can't. They're not really a a pass rush driven defense, right? Like this is yeah. a team that like controls running downs and, and plays on the secondary. So these guys have to get good fast. Yeah, for um, sure, for sure. I am interested. You mentioned Boykins. I am interested in him because he's actually he's he's dropped some weight this off season, I believe. Um, they have him listed on the team page at 317. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested, I'm interested to see what that looks like. He was a Juco guy who played pretty well at that level. Um, Aranda has a really good eye for players like this. And so I I think that he could be a guy who come October, uh, a lot of people are talking about as, you know, like, uh, Oh, where did he come from? Where did, where did this, where did this guy come from? And the answer is, uh, Dave Aranda's brain, essentially. He just, he just kind of invents (laughs) these guys at defensive tackle. And I think that this could easily be the next one. Um, I love the Mike Smith edition as well. I think that he's going to be a really, really big player for them at linebacker, um, just a tackle machine. And I think, and really quick too, you you want your linebackers to either have like an insane name that like sounds like he's born to play linebacker or a guy guy who has the most generic name of all time yeah they've got three really good linebacker names here with matt jones mike smith and garmin randolph bryson jackson's not getting the job done that is not a linebacker name i'm sorry that's a cornerback i can't i just can't i can't see that no not gonna go <laughs> or a tiktoker it's one of the two yeah. same thing yeah same yeah. yeah every cornerback is a tiktoker every linebacker is a uh they're on truth social I, that's what i want <laughs> i don't want any linebackers on tiktok i just want them on i want them on the most racist social media websites that's yeah that's what you every want and every wide receiver is sharing blue sky codes they're talking about like <laughs> equity and, and <laughs> yeah all of fuck, my wide receivers are on strike until i'm until i fix my anti-blackness problem <laughs> <laughs> Also, by the way, just I would circle back to this. Jenkins, six foot six, three seventeen. Who is that? Friend of the show, Bill Landis, playing defensive tackle. Is Bill, Come on. Bill's Bill's not six foot six. Come on. We're, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to. Landis get is like six six, dude. Is he six six? Damn. <laughs> Bill, if you're listening to this, can you text us and tell us how tall you are? Yeah. So we can yeah. get confirmation. I'm thinking about the the Terry Rozier post. The Bill, Bill Landis should have hooped. He was tall as hell. <laughs> two, um, two, equal, all right, so, two equal evils in the world. Bill Landis and Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Bill. Sorry. Right, let's do let's do Baylor's schedule. Um okay. They open the season with Texas State, which is a win. Yeah. They get Utah at home. They will get, I think, shredded, unfortunately. But Utah does love to lose non-conference games. They love to lose in September. They love to lose a game that they absolutely should not lose in September. They're going to lose one of them. I don't know which one it'll be yet. I don't know if it's this one. 
Um, I wouldn't give this to Baylor. They also play Florida again, right? Yeah, they do also play Florida. Or no, they don't. Yeah, they do. do. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I'm not looking. Damn, their September schedule. I'm not trying to skip ahead to Utah shit here. Yeah. But in September or slash, they play also Thursday night against Labor Day weekend. So one game in August. But they play Florida at Baylor, then Weber State. UCLA at Oregon State. Yeah. That is a tough fucking September, buddy. Yeah, they will, if nothing else, they will have plenty of opportunities to lose a game in September. I, th- I think it could be this one. I would guess that it's probably Oregon State that they lose to. Um, but yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We don't need to be doing that quite yet. But okay. I, I think it's one and one. Let, let, let's just do, I'm going to do the wins here really quick because there's a few games that are easy to point to as wins. Yeah. Baylor will beat Texas State. They will beat LIU in week three. Yeah. Um, I think they will pretty clearly after their bye week in October beat Cincinnati, Iowa State, and Houston. Okay. As well as West Virginia. Yeah. So that right there is six wins. Um, I think they win all of those games. They could lose to Houston. I don't see that happening. It could happen though. Houston has some Houston has some juice this year. They, Not much, but a little did, bit. Did you include Iowa State in that? Because I will say they could lose that game too. Iowa State makes every game close, and it is technically possible to lose a close game like that. You're not always the the bounces are not always going to go entirely against Iowa State in close games like they did last year. That, that's a game you could I, lose. Uh, it's true, but you will see why I felt this way when we get to the Iowa State preview. Yeah. So so we're talking about six and one <laughs> here in terms of taking the whole season and 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 grabbing wins. I think they have right. I agree. I think they have six pretty comfortably here. And then outside of that, we said Utah's a loss. They get Texas at home, which they I think they will lose. They're just not ready that early in the year to beat Texas. Yeah. Um they get Texas Tech at home, which is a again a, a, or sorry, they go at UCF in between Texas and Texas Tech. Yeah. I think they probably lose three straight there with Texas, UCF, and Texas Tech. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, UCF it's... and Texas Tech are gettable, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, the schedule here, the way it's set up is kind of brutal because, like you said, it's it's Texas, UCF, Texas Tech in a row, and then it's Cincinnati, Iowa State, Houston in a row. Love to get some of those easier games spread into that that earlier stretch because that is that is that's a that's rough going there of getting those three back to back to back because it is. Uh, just just three teams that aren't fun to play against, right? You don't really no, want to go yeah. to UCF. You don't really want to host Texas Tech. It's just not fun to do. Obviously, Texas is sort of the favorite in the conference for most people. I don't think they're going to be for us, but um, you just don't want to do that. It's a bad stretch, and, and I think that, that will be, that's going to be hard on a team that is sort of breaking in a new defense. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And the tough part is after the Houston game, they have two more tough ones in a row at Kansas State and at TCU. Oof. Um I think TCU is wildly overranked this year, especially early in the season. But like getting late season TCU is different than getting them early in the year, right? So yeah, I think they probably lose both, which means I have them at six and six. I think if I had to guess, I know we mentioned those like six wins they have. I bet they lose one of those early i bet they lose one of those winnable games and win one of these bizarre ones and still finish six and six. Yeah, I think basically what happens is that they end up getting. Of like the 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 UCF Texas Tech Iowa State Houston and TCU games, I think it probably comes out in the wash eventually to six and six somehow. But that those are all like hinge games that could basically go either way and and will end up being six and six. But I don't know exactly how they get there. Yeah, and, and I will say too, like this feels like a different six and six than last year, where it's like last year was a disappointing six and six, the pretty veteran team. Yeah, this feels like a six and six you can build off of with like three young players. Um, three young players basically in in the offensive line that can be back. Like a lot of this defensive, you know, lineup will be back next year. Like you have a lot of stuff on this team that like looks six and six, but 
it gives you, especially with like four wins after your bye week in the final six games, it gives you momentum going into 2024. Yeah. Um, which I, I am just, I'll be honest, I'm just apology making for Dave Aranda because I like him. But I feel a lot better at this six and six than last year's version. Yeah, I think it's six and six with a rushing attack that's going to be one of the best in the country in 2024, and a defense that should be mostly intact in 2024, and and a team that should be ready to compete in the the Big 12. That would be yeah, that would be my read on it, and I think that you're you're fine with that if you're Baylor. You'd probably prefer to get a couple extra wins in there, and you'd feel a lot better. But I don't know if they're going to do that. Yeah, and I'll say too, like it feels like their floor is five and seven. Like they're not going lower than that. Yeah. Um, their ceilings, like if they are better than we think, faster we think, they could easily win eight or nine games in the schedule. Yeah, I mean, what are the sure thing losses nine, on? They can win eight. Yeah, what are the yeah. sure thing losses on this schedule? Like they they probably lose to Utah and Texas. They probably lose at Kansas State. The other games on this schedule are winnable. Like it's not one hundred percent. It's it, you can win those games. It's just that they're probably not going to win all nine of them. That would be that's a lot. That's a lot to ask of a yeah. young team. Um, yeah, I, I think this but if you tell me seven and five, I'm fine with seven and five. I'll take six and six here. I think you will too, but yep. we would not be shocked to see seven and five or even eight and four. Yep. All right. Let's roll through BYU, which is uh, entering the conference in a pretty bad way here. Things are not things are not great for BYU right now. Yeah, correct. They have four new assistants on staff this year. Um, all he's just hiring in the in, in the state. By the way, all four of them are either alumni of BYU yeah. or Utah. Yeah. Um, he had to fire his longtime coordinator. Uh, Tuyaki was his only coordinator here in seven years at BYU and also one of his best friends. Uh, and Klein Saki have to fire him after a, a horrible season. Um, he hired Jay Hill at a Weber State, yeah. who had five top 10 finishes in the past six years at the FCS level. Uh, he's outcoordinating BYU's defense. Yeah. It's going to look a lot different than what Tuyaki was doing. This is like a Dick LeBeau style defense, right? Where it's like yes. gap sound, zone pressure. Like, this is a fun defense to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I don't, I'm not very high on this team this year. I think it's it's a change for Sasaki that I am welcoming. Yes, I so I can tell you from from firsthand experience watching Weber State's defense uh, dismantle Utah State's offense on its home field. Um, that defense is awesome. That was a defense that I've watched a lot going into that game. I did a lot of of looking at that defense to sort of understand it. Um, it's really cool. It's really cool the way that they do things because they do have sort of a just a base front six or seven that they run out of. But what they do is that they all of their linebackers can put a hand in the dirt essentially, and so they can send pressure from anywhere in the front. They they can they can generate pressure in a lot of really cool ways because they just put a bunch of athletes up there. And I don't know that BYU necessarily has the body types to pull that off this year, but I think that Jay Hill was a really really smart hire for them in coordinating this defense because. Uh, really the way that he operates is that he keeps things very simple in the back so that he can make things complicated up front and so that he can make things really hard on opposing offensive lines. I think that makes a ton of sense in this conference, and I think it will work in the long run. It's just that this roster does not have the guys to really execute that right now. It's going to be a minute, I think, for this defense in, in development. I think it will work in the long run, though. Agreed. And the reason it's going to be a minute, the thing I was teasing here, I want to tell you, Patrick, do you, mind, do you know how many players a team is allowed to have um, uh, given year. I, I believe you can have 85 on scholarship and then you can have 105 total guys, right? That's right. Do you want to guess how many BYU lost from last season? Well, unfortunately, I am also in the dock with you. And also mm. you told me on the last podcast that we recorded. Oh, I did do um, that. Fuck. But uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. I'm going to say 59. I think they lost 59 <laughs> guys. <laughs> you nailed it. They <laughs> lost 59 fucking players of 105. That's insane. How that's, do you do that? That's too many. I mean, 
It's too many. It's also everyone who was good, right? Like Jaron Hall's gone. Yeah. Their top two running backs, Christopher Brooks, Lapini Katoa are gone. Their top receiver, Puka Nakua, is gone. Like the the two uh, Barrington brothers are gone to Baylor. Yeah. Uh, they also lost uh, Blake Freeland, who I love. is off the tackle. He's a Colts draft pick. Um, they lost their top three linebackers in Keenan Peely, uh, Pepe Tanuvasa, and Peyton Wilgar. Also, by the way, this team is just a minefield of names I'm going to say it's wrong. It's a nightmare. Um, yeah, it's a nightmare. You're telling <laughs> three me. Three defensive linemen are gone. Like Lorenzo uh, Fawatea, uh, Alden Tofa, and Gabe Summer are gone. Uh, they also lost their both their cornerbacks, Gabe Judy Lolly. Or rather, sorry, three their top three quarterbacks and Gabe Judy Lolly, D'Angelo Mandel, and Caleb Hayes. Yeah. Um the only things that are back here on defense are like the safeties. And their offensive line is actually still pretty deep because of who they brought in. Yeah. But like it's just the the safeties and offensive linemen that you're looking at here who have any kind of experience. Some backup receivers who I think kind of suck. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. They're going to look pretty new. They did bring in, like you said, a couple guys and they do have a couple guys back on defense who I think are worth mentioning. Like Max Dooley is pretty good at linebacker. Um, I like that they brought in uh, Isaiah Bagna from Boise State and AJ Vongfashan from Utah State. Um, I have I have a close proximity to BYU fans because my job you know involves covering Utah State, and so I see a lot of these people. Um, they think that AJ is going to be like an All Big Twelve level player. That is not true, but he's a good linebacker. He's he's a he's a totally fine linebacker fast can 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 cover a lot of the field he is he's fine i i think that he will do fairly well i think that that group of ben bywater and, and aj and max Tooley is fine um it's just like the depth here is really really rough and they are depending on some guys who have to make a pretty significant jump in the level of competition that they're going up against like um eddie hack or eddie heckard who was at weber state with uh with jay hill and he was an all-american he was an fcs all-american but you need that guy to be good right away, and that's a lot to ask. It it's just it just is, and so there's yeah. And then also, none of these guys can get hurt. Like Aiden Robbins at halfback from <laughs> UNLV can't get hurt. Keaton Slovis from Pitt can't get hurt, and also who also uh, sucks. Yeah. yeah, also dog shit. <laughs> but like, you need these guys to be you need these guys to be immediately good, and you need them not to get hurt. Like Keanu Hill is basically the only receiver that they have with any experience. Isaac Rex is is fine at tight end, but. These are one guy, and it's just they had injury problems last year. It's not hard to imagine that they would again this year as they go up against yeah. you know better competition in warmer areas. They're going to be playing in Texas several times this season. It's going to be hot, and it's going to be different, and I just, man, it's a lot. It's a lot to ask just in general of this program here. And also because you have fucking 58 new players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the other part too is like you just have so many guys who to get on the same page and integrate into the system that like it's just really tough here um but but yeah i don't know like i will say i'll give them credit here on on, i'm gonna say one nice thing which is their o-line like despite having a lot of new guys should be sick yeah right they have like caleb Etienne from oklahoma state they brought in who has 13 starts at left tackle last year uh, Paul Paul Mail from My, from Utah had seven. Here I, I I've got some of these. I got some experience with some of these names. It's Paul Miley. Let's go. Um, I, okay. As I have learned, there's a lot of Mileys out here. The Miley Mafia. Uh, Connor Pay, Kingsley Samat Samat. I don't know how to say that one. Suamatala, who I believe was at uh, he was at Oregon, right? He was a former four star. Yeah. Um, started they, twelve games last year for them at right tackle. Yeah, yeah, I think he could be a pretty good player for them. Waylon Lapuahu, who was a starting true freshman at Utah State at guard, he was 
fine. He was a true freshman, and he handled himself pretty well, <laughs> given the circumstances. Um, I don't know that I would be, like, psyched about bringing in a true freshman to then start as a true sophomore at a school like this, but I think that he is a he's a very talented player, and I, I could see it working. It's just... Again, asking a lot. Ian Fitzgerald, the Missouri State transfer, asking a lot. There's, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of big jumps for for one team to have all at, you know, every position, basically. You've got these guys who are making the leap up to the Big 12 with the program who've never been there before. You have some experience. You have guys like ATN. You have guys like Miley. But then you also have FCS transfers and G5 transfers and a lot of new pieces who are playing together for the first time. And it's, it's not, it's not good. And here's the thing too on their defensive side that we talked about that we're going to talk about here now. Like the offensive line, it's all true. It's a lot of new pieces coming in. The only place they have any kind of experience pieces on defense are on their D line, which fucking suck. It was one of the worst <laughs> D lines in America last year. They were second to last nationally in sacks. Uh, they were 97th ranked in scoring defense. I mean, they have their best pass pressure back. I had a couple guys, but like they don't have a secondary to like give them any time. Like yeah. if they fuck up the whole defense breaks, like they're going to be bad. I mean, like I love Jay Hill, but he has to be a miracle worker here to make this defense even like average. Yep. I think that that's, yeah, I, I think that that's the thing here is that you just, you need a lot to go. Well, you need Keaton Slovis to remember how to play football. You need guys not to get hurt. It, it, a lot is, is hanging on things that seem pretty unlikely. Um, And, and so we, we can get into the schedule here. I think it's going to be a pretty bad year for BYU. Yeah, it should be pretty bad here. Uh, I'm getting the schedule pulled up right now. One second here. Um, I love doing the thing where I just click around to other teams in the league until I get to that. I play like six uh-huh. degrees of Hitler, but with uh, schedules. Yeah. You ever play that game on Wikipedia? You know what I'm talking about? No. I, I can I can oh. sort of read between the lines and understand what it is. but <laughs> Yeah. You click uh, you click random on Wikipedia and try to get to Hitler in six clicks. Um, <laughs> it's kind of fun. Just a funny um, concept. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Yeah, uh, so... Yeah. Yeah, oh, go ahead. I was gonna Sorry, say I just uh, I just rewatched Inglorious Bastards, and so I I have that I have uh, that on go, the brain dude. already. So yeah, yeah, you're kind of the bear Jew of our podcast. A lot of people um, have been saying that. I'm I'm walking out yeah. every every episode. We're playing the intro song, and I'm doing the bat tap in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny they gave him a walkout song. That rocks. That movie is so uh, fucking sick. Like I just it's uh, obviously everybody knows this. That movie is sick. That's <laughs> that movie is so goddamn good. Oh my god, that's awesome! All right, I think it's schedule. my favorite. Oh, man, is it my favorite? No, sorry, it's my second favorite original script from Tarantino. Okay, um, which like my two favorites are Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown. Yeah, uh, Jackie Brown is his only adaptation. Um, Reservoir Dogs, fucking rules, best movie ever made. Yeah. Um. It, it anyway, is, sorry. It is. Yeah. It is definitely. It is Tarantino at his most visceral and like least subtle. It is just it's yeah. no, no interest at all, which is really fun because he's really good at that kind of thing. He doesn't always allow himself to do that. I really enjoy that movie. Anyway, and like when he when he's less self indulgent, like when his studio didn't give him like the Tarantino reins that he has now. Yeah. Like he couldn't kind of. He had to be more concise, which made Reservoir Dogs so much better. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's talk BYU okay. schedule. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they get two warm-up wins over the season. I mean, I call one of these a warm-up to be generous. They get Sam Houston State uh, in their first year in the FBS. Yeah, that's, that's a really good Utah. defense, but there's nothing there on offense, and, and BYU will be fine. Yeah. I will say the thing to look at here is if they struggle with Sam Houston, uh, it's going to be a very <laughs> Danger long zone. Yeah, danger zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they'll that... win those two. Um, 
they get they get BYU. So they get West Virginia. I have them beating WU on the road here. Uh-huh. Um, and I have them splitting their home game because Cincinnati and Iowa State. Mm-hmm. But they are not winning any of their game in this conference. That's it. Yeah, that, that is like your best case scenario is if you beat WU on the road, which is not a given because WU can run the football down your throat with CJ Donaldson. Um, you're going four and eight. Uh, if not, you're going three and three and nine, and you're you're. We've we've lost Ryan. We're just miserable. I, I lost you for a second. Yeah, yeah, I'm I lost here? you for a second. Okay. Um, you were saying you that say? should, 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 you were yeah. you were saying that it was going to be miserable. I don't think people. I I I think that uh, yeah. I think people get the idea on BYU. It's probably not going to be good. Going to have to steal some games just to get to four and eight. Essentially. Uh, let's talk Cincinnati. I think we can probably roll through this one pretty quickly as well. Uh, honestly and unfortunately, um, new staff, pretty new look team, and pretty bad. Pretty pretty bad, not what it once was by any means. You you could already see some diminishing returns last season. They were not as good, obviously, in 2022 as they had been. And now it is a lot of those bad things are kind of taking over here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, how can you disagree with that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you're a Cincinnati fan. You may, maybe you've talked yourself into Emory Jones. I wouldn't do that. Personally, I've seen Emory Jones play football, and so I wouldn't do that. But, um, I mean, they just made a boring hire. They made a really boring hire that doesn't uh, like you can you can understand. Yeah, yeah, you can understand what they were doing because Scott Satterfield was at Louisville, and the recruiting to Cincinnati is not terribly different than than the recruiting to Louisville. It's a little different because you have a strong you know, high school recruiting base in your backyard, whereas at Louisville, I don't really think you have that. But um, you want to go into Florida, you want to go into Texas, you want to go into these areas that Cincinnati has a history of recruiting, and then you want to hit the local high schools really hard. You want to play well with the Catholics in the area. Um, that is not, <laughs> that's not me being the stereotyping. That is literally, you, you got to do that to win here. Um, that's and, since he works, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I guess Satterfield can, can maybe do that you know he, he did pretty well at app state it's not a super similar thing i don't think it translates especially well but he has won at the g5 level before he has experience running a program um and can probably keep the lights on but what is the upside like you said what is the upside here what's the best that you could be louisville you want to be seven and five that's your that's your ceiling in the big 12 i don't i don't really understand it he's just it's a boring hire it's a really boring hire. yeah and then, like, the thing is, too, like, Luke Fickle, like you said, like, you want to go to other areas. You want to go to Georgia, especially, and, and Florida. Yeah. But, like, Fickle understood that his bread was buttered by winning in Ohio, right? By, like, getting the guys that Michigan State can't get anymore. Yeah. By getting, like, beating Kentucky for some guys. By, like, beating Pitt for some guys. Like, that's what they did and lived off of. And it worked really well. And that was his core. And then he supplemented the roster with guys from Georgia and from Florida yeah. and from Pittsburgh a little bit, too, in other areas. Like, that's great. You can't do this by like just splitting around. Even it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like it, it's it's not. And like the only guy he brought in, who's a killer Ohio recruiter, didn't bring him in. He retained Kerry Combs. Yeah. And I think probably just because Kerry Combs to get his pension in Ohio, famously. Um. That's like the whole thing. Yeah. So, what's the point? It doesn't make any sense to have these guys. I don't know. Walter Stewart is like. Yeah, they're good. They're kind of a defensive line coach, and he's awesome. They have two great D tackles here. We'll talk about, but like, there's nothing else the roster to be excited about. They lost 40 guys from last year's team. Yeah, um, 13 of them are transfers who went to Power Five teams. Yeah, uh, multiple NFL guys. I mean, 
First team All-American corner, not All-American, sorry, All-American Athletic Conference corner. Uh, Jaquan Shepard is off to Maryland. Like, Javon Hicks and Arquan Bush graduated. You have Ivan Pace now playing for the Vikings, who's one of your best linebackers in school history. Yeah. He was an uh, unanimous All-American. Um, Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott are in the league. Uh, Josh Weil was drafted to the league as well. Uh, ben Bryant, who also pretty much sucked out of Northwestern, which will also suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, you lost four offensive line starters, all of whom were some manner of all uh, all AAC players are gone from the team. Like your old line coach who rock has gone from the team. You brought in fucking Virginia Tech's passing game coordinator to call your offense. Um, <laughs> th- like, Come on. <laughs> You there's can't. just nothing here. Like yeah. there's, there's no juice. Emory Jones should get a job by now. Is going to start a quarterback. Like they moved Evan Prater actually has some potential on like Emory Jones, the wide receiver. God knows why. Like other than Dante Corleone, defensive tackle and Jawan Briggs, also defensive tackle. And if you, I don't know how you feel about uh, Daniel Gerziak. You can talk about him. That yeah. Dan- Daniel Gerziak. Yeah. He's good. He's a good player. He's a really good player. He was very productive for Utah state. He's not like a, not like an amazing athlete, but he is a guy who really knows how to get to the quarterback, and I'll give him credit as well. He is extremely good at something that does not get talked about a ton for defensive linemen, which is finishing his pass rushing. He does not really get pressures without getting production out of it. He finishes his rushing. Um... He does a very, very good job of that. He's a very good tackler. He He's not huge in, in stopping the run. He can do it. Um, but he is a very productive, just guy who racks up numbers as a pass rusher. I think he'll be good for them. I, I Honestly, I think yeah. this defensive line is going to be really good. It's just that the rest of yeah. the team isn't. Because Malik Van's back, too. Like you, you have three guys who are part of that, like, fickle, like, you know, basically his first awesome recruiting class, I think, 2019, when he had kind of kicked the door in and, and yeah. you know, really built an awesome Ohio recruiting class. Like, that's what he has here. And these guys are like, these guys stayed around. Jawan Briggs stayed around, who is a fantastic player who I covered in high school way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, Corleone might be one of the best D tackles in America, like Briggs, too. Like, this D line should kick ass. It's just that the rest of the team is fucking horrible. Like, like all the guys who got pressures behind them are gone, too. Like, Jaheim Thomas transferred to Arkansas. Yeah. Um, their top three linebackers are all gone. Like, you know, five of their top seven defensive backs are gone. Like this team can get pressure, but there's just way too many holes to make up for and kind of cover that up. And yeah, it's just not gonna happen, right? Because Brian Brown is like I think he does call an aggressive defense, which will help generate some pressures here, but like you can't generate enough pressure to cover up for all these holes, and the offense will be absolutely terrible. Like it's gonna yeah. be absolutely dog shit. I mean, they have a bad quarterback, they have a bunch of power five backups who transferred here to play offensive line, a bunch of FCS transfers. Like, there's no continuity. There's no skill players except Corey Kiner, who's pretty good. Like, there's just nothing here. There's nothing here to be excited about. Yeah, They totally fucked the hire. They're going to have to hire again in three or four years. Um, they didn't have to hire him either. He could get fired at Louisville. Like, you could have hired. Like, they just, they don't, they're so stupid. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it it feels like a like a hubris hire. It's like, oh, we can just plug anybody in here. And it's, you learned this lesson like five years ago. When you had to fire, fucking what's his name? The the senator, Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, Tommy Tuberville. Yeah. Like you learned, you can't just put anybody here. It's not just a plug and play. Oh, anybody can win here. Luke Fickle was really fucking good at his job. Uh, Brian Kelly was really good at his job. Mark D'Antonio. You have to go and do it. You can't just plug them in. It's not an anyone can win job, especially not in the Big Twelve. It's not going to work like that anymore. Yeah, it's just it's it. Yeah, it's lazy. 
it was it was the easy just you know somebody who who knocked on the door and handed in their resume they didn't want to go look and so they didn't it's just it's a frustrating they saved the search for money probably is what happened yeah it's a it's a frustrating Um, situation here and i think that it's going to play out on the field pretty poorly that defensive line can probably steal you a game because of how good it is but i don't there's not a whole lot of hope here we can roll through this schedule but it's it's not good yeah it's not good at all i mean the good news here is like Again, they get, I mean, I don't know. It's not even good news. Like they get Eastern Kentucky at home to open the season, which is good. It's an easy win. Yeah. They are going to get, I mean, Pitt is just like, what if Cincinnati was better at everything? Yeah. Uh, is kind of what Pitt looks like, but it's kind of built in the same image, but just way better at it. Yeah. Um, Pitt yeah, will crush it, them. Yeah. We, we talked uh, about this before. We've talked about this before with like the, the time spent at the G5 level for, for like the, the FCS jump up. You're going to get the same deal here. Pitt is doing what Cincinnati has been doing, but for longer at the P5 level and isn't replacing yep, 40 with better guys. coaches. Yeah, the, yeah. Pitt is a better version of this Cincinnati team. They they will win that yep. game. Yeah. And, and Pitt will eat their lunch. They'll probably get some of these guys' transfers in the future. Yeah. Um, that's one and one. They're going to be Miami of Ohio because Miami of Ohio is really bad. That's two and one. Um, they will get blocked by Oklahoma. Oklahoma is going to be better this year. They're not going to be a power, but they're going to dog walk uh, Cincinnati. That is two and two. Um. I think I have them. I have a group of six games here, but I think they can get two of them. Um, I'll go through them here really quick. Like I'll put at BYU in that category because BYU is also awful yeah. and also bad in a way that study can exploit. Um, they get Iowa State at home. They get Baylor at home. Uh, they get Oklahoma State it's like on the road. They get Houston on the road. They get West Virginia on the road. I think of those six games, they find a way to get two okay. with losses to Kansas and UCF um, yeah. coming up. So like, I get them at four wins, and that feels like a hard ceiling. Like this team is not getting five wins. Yeah, it's prob. I mean, four and eight feels a little generous, even. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll say four and eight. We'll go with that. I think that that is. I think that that is. F- fair we're probably a bit lower on these guys than most people are um but i i I think four and eight is 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 fine um let's keep let's keep going here with the former aac teams let's talk about houston um another team that was just wildly disappointing in 2022 and now is pretty much starting over they they lose both of their, their their run and pass game coordinators on offense um they lose uh who was the quarterback clayton toon they lose tank dell um, a lot of new faces here. A lot of new yeah. faces here from a team that wasn't all that good last year. Right. And I, I will say here, the thing about this, like it, I, I'm of two minds on their defensive coaching staff because they retained, they finished 99th in yards to play allowed and 113th in scoring. Um, sorry, 112th in scoring maybe, but uh, they, they also gave up 77 points to SMU last season. <laughs> And they bring back everybody. That game, so, that game was hilarious. That was like the 77 to 63 game, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. But yeah. they bring back every single defensive coach, that staff. I do like Doug Belk, who's still here in DC. Yeah. But like, you can't be that bad and change nothing. Even if you keep your DC, you have to bring somebody in. Like you, you have to mix it up. You can't just have the whole thing back. Yeah. Um, and it was weird that they were bad too, because they lost a couple guys, right? Like they lost a couple really good players. I think Marcus Jones was the big one at cornerback from 2021, but that defense was mostly intact. We thought it was going to be awesome last year and they were just dog shit, which makes me think that maybe everybody just figured it out. Yeah, it does feel that way. I mean, Belk is a, Belk's a San Diego state guy, right? He's out of the Rocky long tree, if I recall correctly, uh, in his past. And I mean, 
I don't know. Like those guys, there are good versions that coordinator out there. You can still learn to adapt. And Mississippi State has one as their head coach. Uh, Kurt Maddox is, is still at San Diego State. Is pretty good. He, like, he was not... not a San Diego State guy, but he did coach under Gibson at West Virginia briefly. Uh, uh, okay, that's, so so that's three three five guy. Yeah, yeah, three three five yeah, guy. Yeah. Yes. Um, fair enough. Okay, thank you. But yeah, I don't know. I still kind of like Belk, but we'll see. I guess I I don't know. Um, uh, I mean. I like their O line this year. Uh, I, I actually kind of really do like the addition of Donovan Smith uh, from Texas Tech quarterback. Yeah, he has been hit or miss at times, but he is like to me pretty clearly better than Tyler Shuck, who, who's their state their state of Texas Tech, and also doesn't get hurt every four games like Tyler Shuck does. Um, but they let him walk from Texas Tech for some reason, uh, and he's here to start. They have Matthew Golden, a wide receiver, is pretty good. They did lose Alton McCaskill, who's, who was uh, out all last year with an injury. They thought he's going to be their starting running back. He's off to Colorado with Dion. I don't really get that one for either party. Um, I don't understand what he's thinking. Yeah. Uh, I also, I mean, I don't know, whatever. Um, I mean, I get it for Colorado. They get a good player. That's <laughs> That makes sense for me. Yeah. But... <laughs> no, I guess I get it for Houston for um, not paying him more money to keep him. Yeah. But Well, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you're going to be bad already, you might as well just not. <laughs> You might as well not spend the money to get to get tiny, you know, a tiny bit better. I don't really. It's, that's kind of a, a a bleak view for the season that I don't know that Houston boosters are fully on board with. But I, you know, if we're talking functionally, yeah, you probably weren't going to get that much better by keeping him around. Yeah, I guess I'll say this: I think the offense will be legitimately good. Uh, I will give them that. I think Smith is. I think he's like Texan will love us to me, um, <laughs> which I kind of like. It's a fun. He character. needs to cup. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, he needs to, he's putting mayo on his brisket. Uh-huh. Um, he needs to cut. He needs to cut back on the interceptions a bit. But I mean, he can run. He can pass. He's a live arm. They can go eight deep on the O line. I really like Patrick Paul, who's a first time all all AAC guy. Um, first team. He yeah. is very very first team. Thank you. Two time first team all AAC. Yeah. Um, he's there. I mean, they have. Uh, they have Jack Freeman. They have uh, Tyler Johnson. They brought in a pretty good player from Louisiana Monroe and Peyton Dunn. Um, they brought in a guy from FIU and Shamar Hobby Lee. They have uh, Max Baines who went to Akron and came back. Um, they have Ruben Anuji and Tank Jenkins have all been here for a long time. Like they are a veteran, experienced team that can go deep and afford injuries in the O line. Between that and the receiver room, which is very good, and Donovan Smith. Like, I think even if you figure out running back through the season, like, it's Houston. Guys grow on trees at running back Houston. Like, they're just down there. Like, you you have a few already. Yeah. So, they'll figure it out. The defense, dude, I don't know. Like, yeah. this, is, <laughs> this is the problem. There's not even really guys to know on this defense. The, the front was awful and gets worse, right? Like, they have, they have lots of the, – the, the front is awful now. It gets, gets worse from these transfers. Um, secondary is super young and really not all that impressive. Um you could you could maybe talk yourself into some optimism because they can't get much worse than they were last year and they had a lot of bad luck but also i don't know man i don't know who's going to be good on this defense i don't they've lost a lot of the really key pieces to that good 2021 defense and they have not replaced them with guys who look anything like the guys who were really good in yeah. 2021 this just looks like a really bad defense to me and they have a brutal schedule too <laughs> that's the other part like i mean like Holgerson was in the media getting pissed off about like people calling it saying it's the hot seat, which is like yeah. to his credit, he has won 20 games in the last two seasons and his contract is unfireable. Like he has a five year deal still left. Like he's not getting fired. Even if they lose, if they go like five and seven this year, he's not getting fired. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, you better show signs of growth this season to build up for 2024. Cause if you go like six and six, two years in a row, like and they went seven to five every season last year. I think they're going six and six this year after talking to it in a minute. Yeah. Like you better find a way to win in 2024 because this is uh, not a good situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about how they get to six and six here. What are they, what, what's the schedule looking like? Dude, this schedule is fucking tough. I'll say yeah. this. They open the year with UTSA at home, which they are losing. They're just losing that game. They yeah. might score some points and look fun, but they're going to lose that game. Yeah. Um, they'll win week two at Rice. They will lose week three against TCU at home. However, getting TCU this early in the year when they lose basically everyone you know from TCU. Yeah. Um, if you're going to get an upset, it's the time to do it. Yeah, I'll say that. I would agree. Um, I'm not going to pick it, but I'm I'm putting it on alert. Yeah. So I had them at one and two. They get Sam Houston at home. That's two and two. I think they lose in the road to Texas Tech, which is two and three. But again, Donovan Smith revenge game. There's some potential there. there there's there's a way to get it. Classic um, Donovan Smith revenge game that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> That's two and three going to the bye week. WVU at home on Thursday night is an easy win. That's three and three. Yeah. Um. Then they get a long layoff again for Texas. They have nine days off for playing Texas at home. This is like if you were circling your like Texas dumbass loss of the season of the year. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> this, it is yeah. playing at Houston with Houston getting a long layoff. And I think Texas, is that right after Red River? Um, let me double check. Uh, no, sorry. They get Red River in the bye week. So uh, maybe not. But sure. actually, yeah. I mean, Texas off the bye week going to an easy stretch of their schedule play a road game with Houston that needs a win desperately. This is a classic classic Texas loss. Yeah. Yeah. Half the team is going to be suspended for DUI because of the bye week, right? Like this is, this is not, that's not a great time to do this. If you're Texas, this is especially if they win red river, like this team is checked out after this, the team is gone. They're off celebrating. They've won the national title in their minds. They're, uh, Steve Sarkeesian. They're has saying completely... Texas back on TV before the game. Yeah, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian has lost control. Right? This is the, not not a good time for a bye week if you're Texas. You don't really never a good time for a bye week if you're Texas. You don't want those guys to get away from you. You need to keep them as close to your team as possible. You cannot let them go and you know they they can't exit city limits or else you're going to be in trouble. Yep, true. So either way, I think we'll pick the loss here, but like just put on alert. Same yeah. with TCU. Something to note. Um, something to note. So we have them at uh, three and four now, going yep. to the final games of the season. Um, they're playing at Kansas State. They will get their ass kicked. Um, that's three and six. Three and five. Oh, yep. Sorry, three and five. Uh, at Baylor, I think I could see them winning that game. Mm. Um, at Baylor, on okay, a, on a losing streak, on a on a on a several game losing streak. I don't know about that. Okay, so three and six. Yeah, Cincinnati at home, Oklahoma State at home. They'll win those two. That's five and six at UCF is a loss it's at five. five and seven, five and seven. But this between all the opportunities to win, like at Baylor home against Texas at Texas tech home against TCU at UCF. Those are all like games are not out of reach. Yeah. Or UCF is the, is the most difficult one of that group. Like, I just think mm-hmm. they find one to get to six and six. I think they could also lose to Oklahoma state. I don't think that's a given at all. Uh, that this Fair is, enough. This is not I think Oklahoma team. state's horrible, but I, I hear you. Well, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll cross that bridge. I think it's five and seven. I don't really like this team. If I'm going to be honest, I think the offense is going to be pretty good, but what's different about, you know, that from last year. And also, yeah, I guess, I guess my answer is I'm buying on Doug Belk, not doing it twice. Also Holgerson's offense is good in a shitty way. They're always like, yeah, that. they put up a bunch of numbers, but they're not actually good. They're just, they're just racking up numbers. It's it's the, the like 
they love to finish like 22nd in points per game, but if you watch them, it's just it labored and horrible. I, I I don't really believe in these guys much at all. I, I don't think that they're I don't think they're very good. I, I want to give them six and six, but I mean, we can give them know. six and six. I'll I'll let you I'll let you have it. I I'm just going on the record as saying I think these guys are dog shit. I don't believe in them. All right, well, here's a team we both hate and can agree on. Yeah, Iowa State. Fuck these guys. Fuck these guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> four and eight last year all the luck that got them that 2021 or sorry the 2020 season where they finished top 10 uh and we were getting yelled at has been returned uh-huh. they have just eaten shit the last two years um they're very annoying they they also lost like uh, i don't know a lot of guys i think they lost they have a lot of uh, a lot of kind of assistants returning here they have six assistants going to their seventh season and three others from there for at least four years um but it's pretty clear like that was last year rather they had to bring in four new guys this year and just some bizarre hires they brought in a running backs coach and special teams coordinator from indiana wesleyan okay they brought in a wide receivers coach north dakota state not known for the receivers yeah i was gonna say Uh, not exactly the program you want to go to if you're looking for wide receivers (laughs) yeah they got a northern iowa o-line coach okay and a year they desperately need a better o-line and i guess the good hire here is they got wisconsin's quarterbacks coach because beckel didn't keep them yeah so i mean it feels, i don't know it feels, it's pretty bad it feels like basically nobody wanted these jobs that that's what that's what this looks like to me is that nobody wanted these jobs and so they just had to kind of scrape together a coaching staff but i i don't really yep. you can sell these as being like oh creative fun hires but you could also pretty easily sell them as um does nobody want to be here is this, is this like a sinking ship among coaches and they don't want to go there that that seems as likely to me as the alternative, which is that Matt Campbell's a genius who knows about all of these coaches that no one else knows about. Like, uh, maybe there's maybe there maybe there's good stuff going on with the special teams at Indiana Wesleyan, but I don't think so. I don't think that there is. I don't think that North Dakota State's wide receivers are secretly awesome. I don't think that like I don't, it just feels like they, nobody wanted to come here. It, just, it seems like they just couldn't hire anybody. That's what I tend to agree with as well. And uh, guess what? They lost their good players too, so that's mm. cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, they lost their their excellent three time first team All Big Twelve defensive end and uh, Will uh, Will McDonald, who was a first round pick, I believe, to the Jets. No, not to the Jets. Someone. Yeah. The Jets, maybe. Who knows? Also, basically, um, like their entire defense these last couple of years, it was just built around him. It, it was it yep. was the Will McDonald defense, and Will McDonald's no longer here, and so now you're kind of right. left with the who is this defense. Yeah, and like MJ Anderson was his other defensive end who was the cleanup guy. When when they ever double teamed Will McDonald, he got the sacks. Yep. And then <laughs> Anthony Johnson was the guy who cleaned up all the mistakes in the back end. They're they're a free safety. Yeah. They also lost their top two linebackers. Um, and their front seven, despite having Will McDonald, was pretty bad last year because again, the only player really was Will McDonald. So, you know, that was a pretty decent defense, but it lost all of its good players. Um they lost all American wide receivers, Avery Hutchinson. Yeah. Uh, you know. They do have a, I think, a really good cornerback here, uh, who is an all-time cornerback name as well with TJ Tampa. Oh yeah, um, that's a great corner name. You love to see that. Yeah, he's an All-American candidate. I like him a lot. Um, they seem to like Miles Purchase and Malik Verdon a good bit here too. Um, Hunter Deckers is back quarterback. He's bad. Yeah, the receivers. I don't know. They have Jalen Noel back, who is fine. They seem to like that Jane Higgins kid from Eastern Kentucky. Um, Peter, I don't know. I don't really trust any kind of Iowa State camp rumors think they just are too high and they're on supply uh-huh. uh, but they're but like this offense sucked shit last year and would have gotten way more heat if they didn't play in the same state as iowa yeah um <laughs> yeah pretty much. like 
only and unlike like at least Iowa, Iowa is a stupid bad offense, but at least like you can say that they are not sloppy with the football. This team, only seven teams, the entire power five turned the ball over more than Matt Campbell. Why do we call his teams well coached? It never, they're never well coached. Yeah. They just get a couple upsets like five years ago. Yeah. It pisses me off so much. Yeah. If they like that, the thing is that if you're going to do the thing that they do where they try to slow the game way down and keep everything close, you can do that. But your quarterback can't throw 14 interceptions. That's too many. You're not going to win a lot of those close games when Hunter Deckers is throwing 14 interceptions. And I don't like this is not the offense for that. I don't know how you even do that in this offense. They're, they don't you don't throw the ball that much. This kid yeah. sucks. I don't think he's going to get any better. I don't think that there's even really all that much potential for him to get better. He's just right. not his, his his processing is bad, and also his arm sucks. Like this kid is just yeah. Bad. His his only thing was like throwing it deep to the All American receiver, who's now gone. Yeah, yeah. I don't I I don't see a whole lot of hope here for this offense, which does not really have a whole lot of new ideas, does not really have a running back who I like, does not have a whole bunch of linemen who I like, and the defense loses its best qualities, which are uh, basically all of its good players except for one cornerback. I don't know that we need to linger on yeah. these guys a whole lot longer. They're bad. No, They're going to be bad again Just the one, the one thing I want to say is is their O-line, just how bad they were last year. Yeah, They were 112th in all of the following. Average line yards, opportunity rate, power success rate, stuff rate, yards per carry. Every single rushing statistic that measures O-line, they were 112th or worse. Yeah. Like, how are you in the Midwest and can't get linemen? I don't know. I don't know. What, else, yeah. what else are you supposed to do? Yeah. Like, I, I guess for them, they have five players back here combined for 86 starts or in their fourth, fifth, or sixth years of college football. Yeah. But they brought in a guy from northern fucking Iowa to coach the O-line. Like, he has to be a miracle worker for this to work out. Like, I don't Pretty see much. it at all. The defensive, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, they seem to like their linebackers, I guess. That's they always have decent linebackers, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but I just don't see it. They lost most of their best players. I don't think they have good coaches. Um, they they do kind of benefit from a fairly easy schedule, as I recall correctly, which um I guess we can we can spend some time uh getting into now if you'd like. Yeah, I don't sure. Know. Yeah, let's let's roll through this schedule real quick. Um yeah, the program is a testament to the the concept of um, strike while the iron is hot. If you're a football coach for a bad program, Matt, come on, gotta maybe maybe, so maybe shit or get off the pot before your team gets bad, like you knew it was going to do. I think you maybe could yep. could have seen this coming. All right, what are we looking for here? They open the year with Northern Iowa, the Clanton revenge game. That's huge. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's one and oh. Yeah. Uh, ESPN Plus. That's great for them at two o'clock. It's going, a, that's an awesome spot to be in. Going Clanton. Um, <laughs> they're going one and oh they are then losing to iowa in the uh in in their uh what do they call it the cyhawk game yeah yeah fuck that who cares um i'm not using the, the internet nickname for it yeah um they are going one and one they play at ohio which i think they will still win mm. but pretty funny if they don't yeah um two and one oklahoma state at home i also dislike oklahoma state i i think they probably win that game and go three and one um man then you're, you're, gonna, losing... you're gonna predict that Oklahoma State's gonna do something that it never does, which is not go to a bowl game. I do think that, yeah. I personally, I'm gonna, I, I would probably pick with 20 years of recent history, but I, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I have a, I have a good nickname for our boy. Uh, when we get to Gundy, you'll, you'll enjoy. I have something okay. for you. You'll enjoy it. All right. Um, 
I I don't know. Do you want to, do you want to take Oklahoma State in that game? Like, I mean, I guess I guess you can go with three and one. You're you you get the P five. Uh, you get the 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 you know the okay the, the break vote. So you can if you want to go three yeah. and one, you can. I'm just I'll, I'm a conscientious a conscientious objector <laughs> on the anti Oklahoma okay. State talk. They always go seven and five. That's that's my statement right. on well, Oklahoma State. Well, just wait and see. Just wait and see. Yeah, they're they're three and one. They're lose. They're getting destroyed by Oklahoma on the road. Uh, three and two. TCU was a loss. Three and three. At Cincy, they will somehow find a way to win, but it'll be disgusting. Um, four and three into the bye week, followed up by losses at Baylor and home against Kansas to go four and five. Okay. Um, okay. I was going to have that. I, I guess here's the thing. You're right. They will not win all three of home against Oklahoma State at Cincy at BYU. Yeah. We'll take we'll take a loss in one of these. I'm not saying it's the BYU game because BYU is probably the worst of those three teams, mm-hmm. but they will lose one of those games. So that has us at It'd be four and six. Four and six. Then they get Texas at home and Kansas State in the road to go four and eight. Cool. Yep, four and eight. Boy, a lot of four and eight teams in this conference. Let's move on to Kansas. Yeah. Let's talk about a team. Although, that... <laughs> really quick, really quick here. Yeah. If somehow Texas just like finds a way to beat Alabama and Oklahoma. We are gearing up for an they, they they play in the immediate weeks around Iowa State. They go Kansas State at TCU at Iowa State, Texas Tech. Like a Steve Sarkeesian November loss at at Ames is the classic Matt Campbell win that will get him five more years of this job despite yeah. being bad. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Um let's talk about Kansas uh, we love them. We love we love the Jayhawks even after kind of a, uh, a rough end to the 2021 or the 2022 season. Um, Lance Leipold, of course, has these guys going and he also has that shit on. Um, pretty similar team here. Look, looks looks pretty similar to what they looked like in 2022. Not any major changes to the coaching staff. I don't think they lost a single assistant. Um, Jalen Daniels is, of course, back at quarterback. He's awesome. As long as he's not hurt, yep. he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. I love to watch him yeah. play. But even um, if he's hurt, Jason Bean's still there too. Yeah, Jason, really Jason Bean is also really a he was good yeah, yeah, also yeah. a competent starter. Devin Neal is an awesome running back, all Big Twelve level running back. Um, they bring back uh, Remington Watchlist Watchlist guy, second team All Big Ten guy Mike Nowitzki, uh, which is just a great lineman name. Uh, who has 45 career starts under his belt. They bring back just a ton of guys to this offense. The offense is, is mostly intact. 13 players on this offense who had at least 100 scrimmage yards are, are, are almost all almost all of them are back. They only lose one of those guys. Um, Mason Fairchild, the tight end, is back, who they use in a really, really fun way. Uh, top five receivers are back. Like This was already an awesome offense last year, and I think it's going to get even better this year just by virtue of these guys are around for another year, and hopefully Jalen Daniels will be healthy all season they know what to do here, and I think that they can. It's not just a case of catching the conference by surprise. That offense is hard to fucking stop. It's hard to stop, and I think they're going to be even better this year than they were last year. Yeah, way better. I mean, just just absolutely sick. And and I think the defense um, probably improves a bit too, right? Like, yeah. I, I, and we should have really quick here the Kansas. I know I think you hit on it briefly, but this O line is, is stacked. Um, they have four really reliable starters, I think, and like the fifth spot is in pretty good hands with. Yeah. Uh, they either have five star Logan Brown or swing player Jay Doran or Jesus. a lot of other guys kind of contributing. That, that's um, that's terrifying within this system. That should be absolutely terrifying for other teams in this conference that they have that much continuity on the offensive line. They're going to do some disgusting shit with that. That Lance, and everywhere like, else. <laughs> yeah, this this offense is going to be nasty. This is this is Masters level understanding of the offense that they're going to have here. They're going to do some some 
some really, really cool stuff schematically on this side of the ball. Yeah, like I, I think the other guy, like their teams bring so much back between like Ohio State, Washington, a few, and like USC is always good. Like uh, with like Riley on our offense, like I will say that it's going to be hard to push into the top five on the like the yeah major statistics of offense, but it wouldn't shock me either. They have yeah. they have that kind of talent. Yep, yep. Um, for sure. The the, the, the defense, question here is going to be the defense. Yeah. The defense is going right. to set the ceiling. Yeah, I mean they were bottom five last year. They were bottom five in yards allowed, bottom ten in scoring defense, bottom fifteen in yards per play. Uh, they were bottom 20 in yards per carry and bottom 30 in quarterback rating. Nowhere to go. Like, they were up. bad. <laughs> yeah. They were bad at everything. I mean, they do get all four starters back in the secondary and they added LSU trends. They seem to like, they have three of the top four linebackers back. They do replace all four starters in the D line, yeah. but like between guys, they have kind of who were young last year, maturing and some transfers they brought in. It'll be Austin Booker, um, from Minnesota, Devin Phillips, Colorado state and Patrick Joyner from Utah state. Yeah. Uh, not Patrick Mayhorn. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I do think the defensive line should be better despite those losses. So I am buying on the uh, Kansas defense being not bottom 10 in the country. Yeah, I think that's fair. Joyner's a former four star. He is, he's not the pass rusher that people were hoping he would be, but he's a really good run stopper, very physical as a defensive end. I think he'll fit this defense well. Um, they bring in Dylan Brooks at linebacker from uh, from Auburn, who I think could be pretty good. There, there's some talent here in the front seven. You're just yeah. you need a lot. Craig of Young's still there. Yeah, yeah, Craig Young is still here. Devin Phillips was really good at Colorado State in like the first four games of the season, and then he decided that he didn't need to play at Colorado State anymore, and that he was kind of wasting his time, and so he <laughs> entered the portal in like September, which a big chunk of that roster did. Um, he's a good player. He's a really, really good run stuffer at defensive tackle. I think he's going to work out pretty well here for them. Um, there's talent here. It's just how much can you possibly improve in one off season, especially when you're bringing in a lot of transfers to fill in on the front. Um, they were, they were transfer heavy on defense last year. They're going to be pretty heavy on defense this year as well. I think the defense is still one of the, the worst in the conference, but the offense is going to be so good that it can probably balance out most of that. Right. Yep. I agree. Um, I think the offense is just, like you said, nasty and the defense gets a little bit better. So, yeah. and, and the good part here too, is it's a very vulnerable league, right? Like we talked about, we talked about a lot of bad teams so far. There's a lot more of them to come. Yep. Like this, this league is very open for the taking and their schedule's friendly. So yeah, let's talk about they open schedule. up, they open up with back-to-back Friday games, classic Leipold shit. Oh yeah. Friday night, back-to-back, um, Missouri state and Illinois yep. are their first two games. They're winning both those at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they get Nevada on the road to go three and zero, and BYU at home to go four and zero. September thirty, they play at Texas. Uh, hmm. Huh. <laughs> huh. I think they lose, but hmm. Texas has, um, Texas got a lot of hmm games on the schedule. I'll say they lot, sure do. A lot they of games sure that do. you can and, you can look at and sort of cock your head at a little bit. What are we doing? Here? And here's the thing: Steve Sarkeesian is, I mean, just masterful at navigating those and doesn't always take a talented team and blow all his opportunities to go waiting for. Yeah, um, he's in tears on the sidelines during the game. Yeah, it's <laughs> something to keep an eye on. Uh, four and one with the loss of Texas. Next two games are UCF at home, which is a tough game. I think getting them at home kind of is a tiebreaker there. Yeah. Um, Well, five and one. That's a tiebreaker. And also that UCF has a bunch of morons running their team and Kansas has uh, (laughs) smart guys. I think that'll help too. Yeah. Five and one. And then at Oklahoma state is six and one. one. Yep. Yep. And then they get the, they, they also get Oklahoma off the bye week too. They get their bye week in Oklahoma. My my mouth is watering. I'm drooling. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I and I think that yeah, Oklahoma the week before plays UCF too, which is a tough game for them. Yeah, I'm not picking this as a win. I'm gonna call it a loss. But yeah. man, I really want. To. I've got like the symbol. Um, I've got like the 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 little symbols on my my index and thumb, and I'm just <laughs> clapping them together. <laughs> Dude, like you can talk yourself into like ten win Kansas pretty fucking easily. Oh, uh, I, if you I want can to. I can do that pretty much any time. I can. <laughs> I'm standing I, outside of the Oklahoma football facility with the air gun from No Country for Old Men. <laughs> I'm that's just, great. I'm just... <laughs> um, okay, so we had to go in six and two with the loss to Oklahoma. Yeah. Then they go at Iowa State, which they will clearly win seven and two. Um, then they get Texas Tech and Kansas State at home. Oh. Again, you have to. Fa- I mean, can we just say that between Texas? Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Kansas State all going to Lawrence. They or sorry, Texas is a road game. Those are the last three teams all going to Lawrence. They get one of them. Yeah. I yeah, I would say that. I would say that they could get two of them. They really could. That's that's <laughs> eight and three. Yeah. And Cincinnati on the road is nine and three. Let's go. Um let's go. They could dude, it's <laughs> if this defense is like I like Leipold's staff at Buffalo always had good defenses for the most part. Yeah. I don't think he has bad coaches here. Like it is not hard to talk yourself into if the Kansas defense is like average, yeah, not bad, but like actually just like 60th and like you know yards per play or something. This team could win 10 games, no question. Yeah, hey, I've got a I've got a, a a rhetorical question for you here. So I don't want you I don't want an answer for this. I just want you to think about it, and I want everyone else to think about it. Um, what if Kansas is a playoff team? What do we think about that? Uh, let's talk about Kansas mm. State. Let's let's talk about let's stay in the state. Let's stay in the the most talent rich state in America, the state that is producing playoff team after playoff team. Um, let's go with Kansas State. What what does uh, what does Chris Kleiman have going on here? Because it looks like it's going to be pretty good again. Yeah, I mean, the whole coaching staff's back. They did lose the receivers coach, but besides that, everyone else is back here. Uh-huh. Um, they lost a bit on the offense, I'll say. Yeah. Um, they, they they lost, obviously, Deuce Vaughn had 2,000 fucking yards last year on, uh-huh. on some scrimmage. It was like 1936, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, that one's going to yeah. be a little bit hard to replace. Malik Knowles and Cade Warner are both going to be a little bit hard to replace. Like, we love Treshawn Ward, who is, who's here from Florida State That's... at halfback. We love him. I think this offensive line is pretty good, right? Um, uh, I'd say it's better than pretty good. Better yeah. than pretty good. Uh, but Deuce Vaughn is is a is a specific he's, he's yeah. a specific breed of guy who I don't know that you can just replicate even with a player we really like in Treshawn Ward because Deuce Vaughn. Well, did, they also have DJ Giddens, who's really good yeah, too. Because yeah. Deuce Vaughn did run for like almost two thousand yards. <laughs> that's yeah. That's I'll a say lot. this though, like Deuce Vaughn is awesome, and credit to Chris Kleiman and his staff for like getting the ball to Deuce Vaughn when you know he's clearly your best player. Yeah. I think this offense looks a lot more like the way they want their system to run this year, okay. which is a lot more balanced. And like the fact that you have Treshawn Ward, who I think can do everything. He's not like a deuce fall and take the ball, go 80 yards guy, but like he can catch the football. He can break passes off. He has elite speed. Yeah. Like Treshawn Ward is a Sunday player to me. I, I And they also Florida have state. They also have a guy at quarterback and Will Howard, who I think fits the offense better because he can see over his line and they can run play action with him. Yep, and he has a big fucking arm. He's a yeah, big boy, this, this and they team, can protect him very well with this line. Yeah, yeah, like you'll remember from last year, they were better with him at quarterback than they were with Martinez. Like, and that's not even Much a slight, so, Mar- yeah. Mart- it, Martinez played really well for them last year. Like he was he was about as good as I think he could be. But Will Howard can run too. He can he can make plays too. And if you have an offensive, he's line, like two hundred thirty pounds, man. Yeah, if yeah. you have an offensive line as solid as this one that can produce a lot of time for him. Um, 
it's going to make things pretty easy on that new look wide receiver room. It's going to make things pretty easy on those guys. And I think it's going to make this offense function better because this rushing attack is that much harder to deal with when you have a quarterback who can throw the ball 65 yards down the field. Yep. A hundred percent. And like you said, the O-line here, I want to point out how much better they got. They have all five starters back, including Cooper. <laughs> like, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> they have, they have a DJ Giddens is a really good rusher. They added Trisha Ward. I think is a, a, a probably the best running back in the conference for my money. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they have all five players back on the O-line. They do have, uh, they do have, what's his name? Um, uh, who's that receiver? Fucking Philip Brooks. Philip Brooks is back. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's a good slot receiver. He's honestly does some shit that Deuce Vaughn does, where he can just like, yeah. he's a little five foot seven demon. Yeah. Um, they like him a lot. They also have the cheat code, which is getting an Iowa receiver to transfer to you. Oh yeah. Um, with Keegan Johnson. So that's oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, their defense is also pretty solid, right? They have like their linebackers are excellent. Mm-hmm. Daniel Green's a thumper on the inside. Uh, Austin Moore is really good in coverage. Uh, edge rusher Khalid Duke is there at linebacker. He's awesome. Um, Kobe Savage. Yeah, he's great. Kobe Savage, one of the best safeties in the conference, probably one of the best safeties in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, they also they did lose, of course, we should know here, like a first round pick at defensive end with Felix Aduke Uzama. And also Julius Brent was a, a guy who I think was drafted in the third round more of potential in production, but was still a very good college corner. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you know. I mentioned all the guys they have back in the linebacker room. They also have their ends, Nate Matlack and Brandon Mott stepping up. Yeah. Um, Brandon, yeah, they, they have um, Usa Sumalao, who's a 340-pounder at nose tackle, and brought in Mississippi State transfer Javon Banks. They have some depth yeah. at the line now. Um, the whole secondary is new besides Savage, which does suck. I mean, Jordan Wright's played there as like the third corner forever. And North Dakota State transfer, uh, Marcus Singh at safety is, is in safety slash nickel. Mm-hmm. is kind of an instant plug-and-play guy. But they need to find another couple defensive backs here. But besides that, like the holes of the team are like a defensive back or two is what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like the entirety of the holes of this team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to real quick. uh, We'll we'll get to the schedule here. I agree with all of that. I'm going to put a pin in Javon Banks. I want you guys to just remember the concept of Javon Banks heading into this season. Um, Mississippi State transfer. Uh, 6'2", 290 junior, former edge rusher coming out of high school. He wasn't super highly touted, but um, he had 267 tackles, it says, as a high school player <laughs> on, his, uh, on his bio as a defensive end. Um, 52 tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks. This is a guy who can move at 290, and I think that um, I think that this defense can can probably figure out something to do with a guy like that. Remember Javon Banks heading into this season. I think that you are going to hear his name a lot this year. This yep, year, I think time. he is a. I think he is a star in the making for them, and a guy who most people probably don't know about for for good reason because he didn't play a ton at Mississippi State. That is a guy. That is a classic guy you bring in as a transfer and who who immediately hits, and it seems like the most obvious thing in the world. Like, yeah, of course this guy would be good. Um, Javon Banks, he is an of course this guy would be good guy. One hundred percent. And also their schedule is not a cakewalk, but relatively favorable. I think too. Mm-hmm. Um, they get Southeast Missouri, Troy uh, at at Missouri, and then UCF for the season. Um, Troy's a tough out. UCF's a tough out. But I think they start that season four and zero. Yep, yep, yep. No, All right, no disagreement there. Into the bye week, uh, they have an early bye week. Don't love that. Um, tough stretch coming out of that bye week. They get at Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech, home against TCU. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they lose Texas Tech on the road, uh, but I think they beat Oklahoma State and TCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's I think that's fine. What are we sitting at there then? That's six and one. Uh, Halloween weekend is Houston. That's seven and one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they go at Texas. I'll take that as a I'll take that as a loss. At some point, Texas is going to need to lose some football games on this on this list. <laughs> I think we'll have them like nine and three. I mean, we're going to pick some. Like Texas will find some to lose and find some to win. It'll work itself out. Yeah. Um, this is a classic circumstance where we give Texas three losses and in and in, in, in games that we already assigned as losses to the teams that they lose to. <laughs> Well, what can you do? <laughs> um, that's seven and two. And then I have Baylor and Iowa State at home as wins mm-hmm. to go nine and two. And we'll give Can- at Kansas as a loss okay. to go nine and three. Okay. Yeah. I, so I, we'll I... say they split the Kansas-Texas road games. Does okay. that seem fair? Yeah. Classic Classic thing to say is that they're going to split the Kansas and Texas games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk about Oklahoma. Um Hmm. Kind of a disappointment last year, I would say. Just a slight disappointment. Kind going, of, yeah. Going, yeah, going <laughs> six and seven and having a losing season, uh, something that they don't do very often. Um, they are expected to be better this year, obviously. They're, they were expected to be better last year, and they weren't. Uh, they bring back Dylan Gabriel, who should be healthy, hopefully, uh, presumably. When he's healthy, he's he's fine. Do we like Dylan Gabriel? Are we okay with Dylan? Are we, are um, we, are we good with that? He's fine. He's overrated, but he's fine. Like he is also the, the key is a guy that has potential for like the Kenny Pickett award where he just plays his like 17th season and gets really good. The last one. Yeah. Uh, he does have some juice for that. Just now that he's finally healthy theoretically. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I mean, he's mostly fine to me. I, I, I'm actually going to predict that because I think he's just average, but it's, but it's possible. Yeah. His, uh, I'm a little bit concerned about both his offensive line and his skill core because these receivers have not been great for the last couple of years. And honestly, when you just look at them on the page, I, I don't know that I'm terribly sold on the group of uh, uh, Jaleel Farouk, Drake Stoops, Andrell Anthony, and LV Bunkley Shelton. Like there's some Oof. talent there. There's some talent there, but is this a staff that can develop that? I don't know. They didn't last year, and <laughs> I don't know that they're going to this year. Um, the offensive line added Walter Roos, who is at Stanford. I, I, we like him. I, I think he's pretty good, if memory serves. Yeah, uh, I DM'd him because I was trying to find out if he was going to Ohio State. Ah, um, well, well, you tried. <laughs> you, yeah, you tried. <laughs> you, you tried your. You tried your best. Um, and then uh, Javante Barnes at halfback, who I do think is pretty good. I, I think Barnes is a pretty good player. I think that he will work out pretty well. The interior line is better probably than the tackles. Andrew Ram is back at center. Um, this offense should take a step forward from bad. It was not good last year. It should be better than not good this year. It should be, you know, competent. Then again. And look, Jeff Labby's running dog shit anyway. Who cares? Yeah, it doesn't really like, matter who plays like, for him. It should have been competent last year, and it was not always competent last year. Um, they bring back Austin Stogner as well, who is, he, he's my pick for the Indeed.com get a job candidate in this conference. Get a job. <laughs> Come on. There's another one still. <laughs> just hang on. Yeah. Um, so, like, there are guys here. There's talent here, and Levy is obviously capable of just engineering, you know, a, a productive top 30 offense from a bunch of dog shit, and this is better than dog shit. Um, but I don't love it. I don't love the ceiling here. I think that this is a, a competent but not amazing offense. And yeah, the defense, defense looks better. Yeah. Defense looks better than it did last year. But also, like man, you you can you can look at this group and you can see some stars, right? I think Desan McCullough is going to be awesome for them and, and is a, yep. a perfect fit for this defense. I think that the secondary is going to be a lot better than it was last year. Bring back Woody Washington, bring back Jaden Davis, bring back Billy Bowman Jr. Like there's talent in the secondary. There are guys who I think will be good for them. They brought in Jane Davis is gone, by the way. Jane Davis is off to Miami. Oh, when did that happen? I've missed I missed that. I had him on my Kinda list. late. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but Woody Woody Washington's there, Reggie, like you said, Reggie Pearson, Billy Bowman. Like they, yeah. they they basically need a second corner, but the rest of the 
secondary is figured out. Yeah, and then um, on the on the defensive line, they bring in Trace Ford from Oklahoma State, Rondell uh, Boythroyd. Boythroyd, I think is how you say from, it. Uh, Boythroyd, I thought. Both uh, who Roy- knows from Oklahoma, from Wake Forest? Yeah, he's um, good. Yeah, he's pretty good. I think that the it's just it's depth. I think it's depth, and I think honestly, there's not a ton of star power here. The defense should yeah. improve. I think it's going to be improvement across the board for Oklahoma, but I still don't think that they're anything near like a playoff contender or even no. honestly a favorite in this conference. I just don't see a ton of top end potential for him here. I, I tend to agree with that, but I think the point here, just in the Brent Venables front, like he has like the linebackers convention are sick. McCall is a guy he's going to use, I think fantastically. Yeah. Danny Stutzman is also awesome. An outside linebacker. The inside should be fine with Jared Kanak and, and like, the biggest difference now is he had so little depth last year. Like Lincoln Riley really did kind of fuck them the way he left. And I think that like the way they're going to be able to build the defensive line depth here is much, it's not the same talent Venables used to having obviously uh, in his past Oklahoma or when he was at Clemson, but like just the fact they can go seven, eight guys deep in the D line yep. and have like competent players is a huge difference from last season. I mean, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe are back at tackle. Ethan down, Reggie Grimes are back. You mentioned Boythroyd coming in at defensive end. They also brought in Jacob Lacey at D-tackle and Devon Sears, Texas State. I like both those guys a lot. Yeah. I think they might end up playing more than the guys who are back here. I think they are going to have a lot of pressure in the backfield, and I think the linebackers are very competent and very fast, and the secondary is good enough. They'll find out the second quarter quick. I think this could be like a top 15, top 20 defense pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think it's probably a top 15, top 20 team. And we, we can we can look at the schedule here. This is it's easy. Yeah, I, I I think that that's I think that's <laughs> probably where we're gonna land. And like you said, it's a pretty easy schedule here relative to both Oklahoma and relative to the rest of the conference. One of the easiest schedules in the league, which uh, cool. Good in to the give country, them the, yeah. yeah, good to give them that yeah. parting gift as they leave. Nice job, guys. Really really good. <laughs> Fucking morons. Stupid conference. Jesus. Give Kansas yeah, the okay. easy schedule. What's wrong with you? God. So they open up with five. Five straight wins. It's Arkansas State, SMU, at Tulsa, at Cincinnati, and Iowa State. Yeah. Um, playing at Tulsa is pretty funny, but yeah. yeah that is um, cool. <laughs> that's not really a road game. That's going to be all Oklahoma fans, obviously. Yeah. Um, that is 5-0. and oh. Then there's Red River. And um, <sighs> somebody's got to win it. Someone. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, we talked about giving Texas a loss. Let's give Oklahoma. I mean, shit. Oklahoma is not a. You are you are cruising towards twelve and zero, Texas, buddy. I I do not support you on that path. I am not walking. Down I don't want to do you. it either. I just not what I want to do. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to lose Bedlam. They're not going to lose the BYU or West Virginia. So, yeah. Okay, fine. We'll give Oklahoma a win. Okay, six and zero. Then. <laughs> Maybe they lose to UCF. That's fine. That's fine. Whatever. Who cares? They... <laughs> no, I, they're going to win that game. They're not going to win 10 fucking games. Like, this sucks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Seven, whatever. 7-0. Seven loss at Kansas. That's going to be hilarious. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm getting Win in Bedlam because they always win Bedlam. Get the, we, got um, the, we got the air gun out, of course. We're, we're shooting Brent Venables <laughs> in the head. Yeah. That's 8-1. and one. West Virginia is a win. 9-1. and one. At BYU uh, is a win. That's ten and one. TCU will call it a loss. That's ten and two. Oh God, that sucks. Oh but like, man, I mean, this is a spiritually a nine and three football team. This should be a nine and three team. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe something good will happen for once. Um. All right. Let's stay in the state. Let's go to the other side of Bedlam. Let's talk about Oklahoma State. Fuck who, these guys, who dude. You hate. Uh, you hate these guys. We we don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this. You hate. Oh yeah, because they have guys. they have Dare Sturmer, Dave Clawson here running the coaching <laughs> coaching job. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I took that one off previous before the podcast. I was waiting to use that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
They had to replace their defensive coordinator for the second time in two years. Derek Mason stepped away from football, basically, to hang out with his family. Yeah. Um, well, and they just a bizarre hire where they brought in not even a D2 head coach, but a D2 defensive coordinator, Brian Nardo of Gannon University. Yeah. I know, like, six guys who play football at Gannon. That is not... <laughs> Dude, he <laughs> loves to do this. He loves to do that. He loves to just look at, like, the uh, the NCAA stats and just figure out what the best D2, you know, offense or defense is and then oh, just hire the, the coach. He loves to do that. Um, all the time. Uh, I, man, I mean, it's going to be better than Derek Mason because Derek Mason sucks ass. That defense was horrible, but... Uh, you sure it's better? I don't know. I I don't think it's gonna be. It's gonna be the same thing. Yeah, I guess. Well, th- th- there's a lot of that on this team, though. Of like, yeah, they lose Spencer Sanders, but also he was dog shit. Who cares? Yeah, but there's no one better. The problem is there's no one better anywhere. Like, Alan, Alan Bowman that... is the same guy. It's you just got the same guy. Oh, again. he's worse. Come on, Alan Bowman was the third string quarterback on a team that has never thrown a forward pass. <laughs> Big words from the man whose team lost to the team that never throws a forward pass. It's still true. I can be right about them spiritually and still have a shitty team. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I mean, they lost four of their top five receivers. They lost Spencer Sanders. Their top running back, Tom Richardson's gone. He transferred to Baylor uh-huh. um, to be a backup. He'd rather be a backup at Baylor than he would be lead dog to Oklahoma State. Yeah. Their left tackle, Caleb Etienne, transferred to um, somewhere. Um, I forget where. We just talked about him. Uh, was it Is BYU? BYU? I think it was BYU. Yeah, that's pretty funny. He transferred to a worse team in the same Boy. league. They both those players did. A lot of um, yeah, a lot of transfer incest in this conference. We got a lot of yep. <laughs> we got a lot of guys they're, sticking they're... around. Their big dog on, on offense is a little five foot eight slot receiver, Brennan Presley. Yeah, uh, Alan Bowman's throwing to him. They got Dalton Cooper, like out of Texas State. But he's probably worse than at the end by a little bit. Yeah. Um, Colin Oliver, for some reason, is still staying here. He's awesome. One of the best passers in the country. Almost a surefire top 50 pick to me. Very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, he has 16 and a half sacks the last two years. They had freshman of the year in defense. Uh, Kendall Daniels at safety is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I do think their O-line is pretty solid, honestly. They have Jake Springfield at right tackle. They have Cole Birmingham, who could play uh, probably guard. Maybe, I don't know. They, they uh, have a couple guys at center. There's Preston Wilson, 22 career starts, but, uh, you know, has been banged up. Tyler Materko's here. They have Joe Mikulski. A lot of guys who have started. They have, I think, 130 combined starts across the top seven players. Yeah. Um, six of them are Richard seniors. The line's going to be oh, good. Yeah. But again, good. Alan Bowen throw the football. They don't have a good running back at all. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah, and then the defense loses every player and brings in a D two defensive coordinator. It's that's that's <laughs> that's the headline. They lost nine. You get why I hate them now. They lost nine starters yeah. and hired a D two guy. What what's there to like? Uh, well, they play in a conference that has BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, Iowa State in it, and that's true. That should help. They don't play. They sorry. They play one ranked team. They play two good teams all season, <sighs> and both three good teams all season. Both are all three at home. Okay. Oh, um, Okay. Here's the schedule. Yeah, Central Arkansas win at Arizona State. Probably a win still. Yeah, Arizona uh, State is, 2-0. Not, is not good. Yeah, we can go with that. South Alabama is better than them, but like, Where's it's that? hard to pick these teams in the road. Games at home. Um, no, that's a loss. We're gonna give that. We're gonna say okay. that's a loss. That's yeah. Two and one at Iowa State. I think we gave to Oklahoma State. But, uh, Probably. Yeah. Did we? I don't no, know. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, you gave that to. Uh, yeah, I argued you that I argued. I argued with that one, and you wouldn't let me have it. So that's that's a loss for Oklahoma State. <laughs> you have to live okay, with that. Okay, two and t- two and two by week. Kansas State at home. Kansas at home. Two losses. Yep. Um, two and four. 
at WU, I we'll give them that one. They'll win that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. WU is an easy way for us to assign wins to every other team in this conference. <laughs> yeah. That's three and four. Homecoming against Cincy. That's Cincy's only good unit will be neutralized by the Oklahoma State offensive line. It's four mm. and four. Um, Oklahoma at home is, of course, a loss. Four and five at UCF is four and six. Sure. Um, and I think, oh, wait. Or, oh, no, there's two games left. Yeah. Um, at Houston is they're good they got probably they, a loss they got to win one of that or iowa state i don't think they lose both of those games i think they do lose both they beat byu to go five and seven they're not making a bowl game to this team what you cannot look at this team and call a bowl game well besides I, saying mike gundy's the head coach yeah i mean that would be the thing is that mike gundy's the head coach and he usually goes to bowl games come on this team sucks that's a five and seven team dude okay yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue with it. I, they just, I, I will, I will say, I think they're probably gonna find a way because they usually do. But uh, five and seven, you can look at this team and you can see five and seven very easily. Um, what about TCU? Sure. What about TCU, which is also losing basically every one of its players from last season? Patrick, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up three teams to you. Do you have any recollection of uh, very recent football teams here? 2021 Baylor, 2021 Oklahoma State, and 2020 Iowa State. Do you remember these teams? Yeah, yeah, they were good. They were good, and then <laughs> something, and then something really cool happened to them the next season. If memory serves, <laughs> those three teams in their in their good seasons went a combined thirty three and seven with a fourteen and four record Hell in those yeah. four games. Feeling really the good. Following season, <laughs> those three teams combined to go twenty and nineteen Shit! with a collective six and eleven record in one score games. Um, TCU last year went six and one in one score games in a magical season. Uh... They, they look. I love TCU last year. They were amazing. I mean, <laughs> not feeling this good year. Here. Not feeling good here. If you're TCU, if you're hearing this, sort of they had, pulling on the shirt they collar. Had, <laughs> <laughs> they had ten players who were first or second team All Big Twelve last year, and eight of them are gone. Um, Is there any good news here? Is there? <laughs> <laughs> I like Josh Newton a lot okay. at corner. I like Johnny Hodges at linebacker. Uh-huh. Um, they have two good safeties in Miller Bradford and Brad Clark. They're another good linebacker, Jamoy Hodge. Yeah. I think they have an awesome defensive lineman. And, um, Demo- his name is yeah, Demonic in, in, Williams. Yeah, and Demonic Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Demonic Williams is here. They have two good tackles. Andrew Coker, Brandon Coleman, Jared Wiley, solid. Um, Chandler Morris is a pretty good quarterback, and for what it's worth, and mm-hmm. he did actually beat Max Duggan in the offseason <laughs> last year before he got hurt. I love that. Uh, I love knowing that. That's so funny that that is that that is objectively true. Chandler Morris is <laughs> such a funny kind of guy too because he's like five foot four. He's 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 he's, he's like the high you know socks all the way up to his hips. Uh, yeah, five foot you? four Texas guy. Yeah, that's what I do. Um, I'm dressed like the the old guy at the YMCA who's hitting seventy five percent of his shots. Like that's Chandler Morris is an awesome throwback big 12 guy to like early 2010s big 12 um i think he's pretty good honestly i think he's gonna be pretty good for them it's just that um, yeah yeah all of the players you just mentioned are on defense and none of them are on offense and that seems like it might cause some problems for them <laughs> well i mean yeah look they, like you said they lost their starting quarterback they lost three other starting offensive linemen they lost um three their top three rushers from last year yeah uh they lost seven of their top nine pass catchers well at, um, at least uh two of the four skill guys that they're depending on aren't alabama washouts who never ever work <laughs> that's surely not right <laughs> yeah it's jojo are all paired up with Savion williams at receiver oh, no. running back is amani bailey and trey sanders <laughs> um come on that's that's tough <laughs> their own line um 
also relies on Alabama transfer Tommy Brockmeyer. <laughs> uh... Uh, they they have those two tackles back. They have John Lands, who I actually like. He he um he started with them in 2020 and 2021, but got hurt last year. And then also kind of like lost it when he came back. He didn't get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in Willis Patrick, who weighs 347 pounds nice. uh, at guard, nice. Division two All American. Yeah. Um, they have a couple guys out there who can play. Oh, line should be fine, but like the rest of it sucks. The defense probably won't get worse. It was already so bad. Yeah. Um, I like their. They have that Williams kid who I mentioned on the defensive line. Um, I forget his first name. It's not important. Oh, yeah, Demonic gosh. Williams, right? Sure. Um, yeah, Demonic Williams. <laughs> wearing number sixty-six. <laughs> Linebacker core is good. Um, I mean, look, they're gonna finish like ninety-fifth in the country, which they finished last year. Yeah, the offense just won them seven or eight games, but also like Joe Gillespie is a good DC, and I think he does improve this defense. I think they probably win something like seven or eight games. It's just that, like, like the schedule here is preposterous it is a truly yeah it's a preposterous schedule there's another way to describe it except absolutely absurd so what's in um, here what are we what are we worried? let's crack into this schedule what is wrong with it why what's uh, okay yeah i'm, I'm going Here's, into this for the first time so i don't know stop me when you hear a loss okay colorado at home stop nickel <laughs> no i'm <laughs> <Come> kidding <laughs> uh nickels at home houston on the road smu at home West Virginia at home, uh-huh. Iowa State on the road, BYU at home, Kansas State on the road. Right there, that's a loss. Yeah, that's a yeah. loss. I think they could lose to SMU. I don't think it's impossible. They could. Yeah, lose they could to lose SMU. to one of SMU or Houston or maybe even Iowa State. But I'm not. I'm, I would bet on them straight up in every single game. Yeah. Like by, they're probably favored by nine or more points in all of those games. Um, I could tell you exactly how much they're favored by in those games. Let's see. So by SP plus, they're favored by eight and a half at Houston, uh, six at Iowa State, um, and then the rest they're favored by uh, 31.4 against Colorado, 13.7 against SMU, 15.8 against West Virginia, and 17 against BYU. Yeah, okay. So so you basically, your, your bet here for them to lose is blowing a touchdown a, a game of the favorite by a touchdown against a bad coach with a bad staff and bad players. Yeah. In Iowa State. Well, it could happen. <laughs> Probably <laughs> so, not. I, mean, I, I, I have them going seven and one, but then I have them going seven and zero, oh and then losing out to go seven. No, that's not true. I don't they're going to go, go. Yeah, they'll beat Baylor at home, but then they lose at Kansas State, at Texas Tech, Texas at home, and at Oklahoma, basically. But we gave them the yeah. Oklahoma win. We said they were going to beat Oklahoma on the road. It doesn't matter. We're not worried about that. Okay. We, we have talked about this before. But it's not. It's actually better for us if we don't line up the games. Yeah, that's true. Like it's then, better to yeah, dispute. Yeah, because then we're not picking it straight up every time. We're just we're kind of going off of vibes. Yeah. We're going off of basically what this team feels like. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Let's do it. We're, we're, we're going to circle back to Texas. I want to do the bottom of the league really quick here because we can do them all in like two minutes. Okay. Um, so I want to go to all the way to the bottom of West Virginia here. Yeah. Uh, they're terrible. They lose JT Daniels, who sucks. They're they're all their receivers. They're two best defensive linemen. Uh-huh. Um, they lose Jordan Jefferson to LSU, who's a really good defensive tackle who's going to come back. Um, they have a good running game. They have five offensive linemen back. They have C.D. Donaldson back. The receivers suck ass. They brought in Devin Carter, the most annoying receiver of all time. Um, <laughs> did you uh, see? To play speaking here. of annoying NC State recorders did, r- r- receivers, did you see that they added uh, Rosner from Rice today? God damn it! Did they really? <laughs> yes. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah. For people who don't know this, I uh, I accidentally had Brad Rosner like, in my top forty because I <laughs> I got too behind on the schedule for wide receivers and I had to publish them like without doing my full list first. It was a mistake. He is not a top 60 receiver. Yeah. It's my bad. Yeah. Um, 
well, fuck that. I hate that. They're going to love him there. Um, yeah. yeah. He's going to anyway. drink so much beer, dude. Yeah. Anyway, um, anyway, West Virginia brings in Devin Carter. Carter. That is not a way to make your offense better if you're trying to make your offense better. Um, I do love C.J. Donaldson. He's awesome. We, he's awesome. Uh, C.J. Donaldson yeah, is I cannot wonderful. wait to see where he plays as a junior next year. Yeah, we're doing the we're doing the video of the cat in the store and the guy saying, we, I'm going to get you out of there, right? That's what we're doing with C.J. Donaldson. I'm going to get you out of here! Um, we need to yes. free him from this from this hell. I don't understand why he stuck around. Um, they nearly killed him last season. Literally, they almost killed him. Like, get him out of here. Get him somewhere else. He deserves better than this. Get him to Kansas. Come on. He he doesn't. Yes, he, he should sh- play. Yes, 100%. he shouldn't have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the schedule, really quick. WU at Penn State, home against Duquesne, home against Pitt, home against Texas Tech, at TCU, one and four to start. Then the bye week. They go at Houston, home against Oklahoma State, at UCF, home against BYU, at Oklahoma, home against Cincy, at Baylor. Yeah. They will win one of the home games against like uh, Cincy or BYU or OK State to go 2-10. and Okay. Yep. Fine by me. Um, yeah, it's not good here. It's not good here. Just straight yep. up, it's not It's not good here. Um, all right, where it, do you want to go It next? is good at UCF. Yeah, it's good at UCF. Uh, they went 9-3 and three last year. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, they, they did uh, lose, quote unquote, lose Chip Lindsey. Uh-huh. Um, they brought in Darren Hinshaw, who pretty much is just going to run the Malzahn offense and let Malzahn do it. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. Sure. Or Malzahn, whatever. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, they have just a way too much transfer turnover. They had lost 22 transfers last year. Yeah. It's just they're they're in that Michigan State cycle of just bringing too many transfer classes and losing guys. They're acting like a G5 team, but they're a P5 team. Got to stop doing that soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so why are we high Ryan's, on them then? What is what is the what is the positive then if they lost all these guys? Uh, they also lost three offensive line starters and their running back. That's um, not a positive at all. <laughs> and their top receiver. No. Um, <laughs> but um, they bring back four first team All AAC guys. Um, defensive yeah. tackle rookie Barber, defensive end Trayvon Morris, Brash, linebacker Jason Johnson are going to be really good in the defensive front. Uh-huh. They have Josh Jellescar on defense and Walter Yates, too, who I like a lot in the front as well. The secondary is mostly brand new, but I mean, I, I think that the defensive front is nasty. Um, the O line, they only have Lukawi Puale back, who is again sick, but John Reese Palmy's here. RJ Harvey is a legitimate dude. He's a top 20 back in the country. Um, the O line. Brought in enough guys. I mean, they have some experience, right? Like Tyler Grable started at left tackle for them. Kuale yeah. is is a is a right guard, one of the, probably the best guards in America. They brought in um they brought in a, a Bull, fucking Bula Schmidt. They brought in Bula Schmidt from Fresno State, who is a second team All Mountain West guy, very good center. Um, very good center. And Marcellus Marshall, Kent State, who is yeah. All Mac, first team All Mac as, as a guard. Uh, too. Again, kind of operating like a G five team here, but that's those are good players, right? Those are good players. Yeah, if you if you're going to do it, bring in guys who make All Conference the G five. That's yeah. smart to do it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, they also have a six foot ten German man who might might play at right tackle oh, named Paul Rubel. And uh who are we trying to all... fool with this? Because like some team every couple of years, some program thinks that it is the first team to ever go to Europe to look for an offensive lineman, and they're always bad. There it doesn't work. Those guys don't know how to play football. That's the problem. But they, they started a six foot ten tackle last year. He made all ACC. God. All AAC. It's too tall. They He's too tall, but whatever. <laughs> Paul Rubelt's there. Ed Collins is there. They seem to love Ed Collins. Yeah. They also brought in uh, uh, John Harris from Mercer mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Amari Knight there's, from Bama. Yeah, there's plenty here for Herb Hand on the offensive line. Yeah, there's, Herb there's, Hand's good. There's plenty. Um, the, the secondary, they, they have uh, Brown Adams and Corey Thornton, who have been there for a while, and it seems like Fred Davis could start, the guy they brought from Clemson. 
They brought him up to the transfers, uh, Dre Wilson from ECU, Jamark Morris from out of the Juco ranks, ranks and uh, safety to Jordan Mask out of Texas State. Yep. Um, they have like six guys in need for them to be good, and I think they should be fine there. They all have been pretty decent because they have a strong pass rush. Yeah. It'll be fine. They brought in some smart transfers. There's too many of them. I like the transfers they got. They had two new coordinators, but again, Malzahn's still calling the offense. That's not really new for them. Yeah. Um, and the offense is so, basically I mean, is basically what it was with with Plumlee and and Baker and Kobe Hudson and R.J. Harvey. Like it's pretty much the same group on on offense. It's just that they have yeah. transfers up front. I think they're probably going to look pretty similar to what they did last year, with maybe some slight improvement and also an easier schedule, essentially. Yep, easier schedule, which is pretty funny to say, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they get Kent State to open up. That's a win. They go at Boise State, which could be tricky. I think they win that game mm-hmm. um villanova at home is three and oh yep uh at kansas state is a loss that's three and one um they then split the next two they went baylor at home kansas on the road that's four and two yep um by week at oklahoma they gotta lose that game right i guess yeah sure yeah okay four and three they reel off three wins with West Virginia at Cincinnati, home against Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. That is a seven and three yep. loss at Texas Tech to go seven and four, win against Houston eight and four. Okay. Yep. Let's talk about Texas Tech real quick. And then Ryan, you have a hard out. So I'm going to close this out on Texas by myself and I'm going to spread all of my propaganda about that program. I'm not going to fucking let, I'm not going to let you get anywhere near that one because you think that they're going to go 12 and 0 and win the national championship. I'm not going to let you touch them. So let's talk about Texas Love Tech that. real quick. Okay, so um, they have uh, Texas Tech, you said, right? You said Texas State, I think. Texas Tech. Um, yeah, Texas Tech. Well, Texas State <laughs> Summit coming soon. Yeah. Coming soon. Um, they will lose Tyree Wilson, which sucks. They also lose the top two linebackers. I mean, Tyree Wilson was a dog in defensive end, one of the best players in the country. They lose Krishan Merriweather and Kofi Aldridge at linebacker. Surround our top has got a running back. Donovan Smith transferred out, uh, which sucks because although he was the backup, he basically starts all the time because Tyler Shuck can't stay healthy. Yep. Uh, Tyler Shuck is back here. Um, he has been the starter for four total seasons. This will be his fourth season. Yeah. The last three seasons, he combined to play 18 total games. Well, and he's um, also, despite being a starter for four seasons, he's never once made a throw that anyone has thought twice about. So why is he not backing up Donovan Smith? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know why people are so excited about this, this uh, ha- having him back. He's just nothing. There's nothing there. Yeah. You got Alan Bowman again. You lost Alan Bowman and you just got a different version of him. There, this guy's nothing. He's a nobody. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's horrendous. He's hundreds and horrendous. It's um, just it, yeah. middle of the road, like, Smack dab in the middle of the row, bum fuck average quarterback. Nothing going on. They here. would have been better off probably with Alan Bowman just starting for four or five years in a row. They, they would have been, been better off with time. with like the computer generated uh, guy who war <laughs> is measured against. This is the exact replacement level player. There's uh, come on, you could do better. Yeah, than yep, hundred percent. Um, I guess that their receivers are nice. I mean, Gerard Bradley's really good. They returned their top the, the receiver and tight end groups combined returned their top seven overall players. Uh-huh. Um. They have also their top three running backs. Sorry, two of the top three running backs are back here. Taj Brooks, then Cameron, quote-unquote, the Exxon Valdez. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Zach Kitley's still here, a coordinator who I like a good bit. I think you do, too. Mm-hmm. Um, their line, look, they have, like, four guys in the interior and five guys attack who have all started games before, um, which is pretty sick. I mean, uh, Rusty Staff, West Kentucky, is a big one here. They like Dennis Wilburn a lot from a walk-on. Jacoby Jackson uh, and Landon P- Peterson spent time at right guard last season when Peterson got hurt. Um, Cole Spencer is is a guy who was really good at West Kentucky for a while. Started 44 games, then missed last year with an injury. Uh, he was all his first team all Kusa. 
Um, Caleb Rogers this year who had 29 career starts being both tackles. Mm-hmm. Monroe Mills started 10 games tackle last year. Like they can go, they have a massive, big, nasty O line with a lot of depth to it. This O line should be good. All the receivers are back, all the running backs are back. It's just Tyler Shuck can't fuck it up, is the only thing. Yeah. Um yeah, your ceiling is and, limited because of Tyler Shuck, but also you're running an air raid offense, and eventually that will work out to about top twenty when you're playing in this conference with the talent that you have. They'll be good, they just won't be as good as they probably could be. Hundred percent. Um, I do like their secondary. They have uh, Dunlap, Malik Dunlap's a really good player at uh-huh. corner, and Rashad Williams is opposite him. Um, they have Dadrian Taylor Deverson and Tyler Owens at safety, and brought in a nickel CJ Baker from San Diego State. Yeah, uh, he's actually a little more of kind of like a hybrid linebacker than a nickel. But... He, he's interesting, Baskerville, because he's like the worst of the ones that they had there. He's the worst of San Diego State's defensive backs, but they were all all conference guys, and so it's not that bad. Still, it's just maybe you could have gotten a better one. I I, I don't know why he yeah. would be the one that you'd pick out, but he's fine. He's a fine player yeah and they have tony bradford and Jalen hutchins at d tackle it's just the, the dns are kind of new faces and obviously you lose tyree wilson who was awesome um i mean like they had a really really good pass rush whenever tyree wilson was playing obviously and joey mcguire is good at creating pressure but you're still losing five starters including a first round pick at the end who was responsible for most of your pressures that is still challenging yep um okay so Besides that, uh, I, I don't know. You have to click the offense. Defense should be fine. I mean, it should be. It's not fine. It's going to be average, but it's it's enough in this league that they could be okay. Yeah. Uh, the schedule is kind of tricky. Um, not really. I don't know. Maybe okay. they they open up at Wyoming. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Classic. They'll win that game though. That would um, be that. They're not going to lose that game, but that would be such a great wind out of the sails loss to to start year two. Oh under man, a coach who everybody's super excited about just immediately eating shit at Wyoming. That would be that would be really funny. I don't think they're going to, but it would be funny. So funny. Uh, Oregon at home. That's um, that's a loss. But although that game will have a hundred combined points pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Oregon is just um, more talented. At the end of the day, they're just they're much more talented. Yep. So that's the one of one. They're reeling off three straight wins. Tarleton State on at home, West Virginia on the road, Houston at home. That's four and one. Mm-hmm. Um at Baylor, I think we gave to Texas Tech. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think so. That, that was right. Yeah, that was one of those that Baylor could win, but I think Texas Tech should be favored. Yeah. So that's five and one. And then Kansas State's a loss at home, five and two. BYU's a win to go six and two. Then the bye week and TCU at home. That's I mean, honestly a pretty tasty game for them. I think they still lose that one to go six and three. Okay. Um at Kansas is six, wait six and four. No, they beat, I think they win. Sorry, they win. I think they beat TCU uh, and lose to Kansas. I think it's yes. seven and three. Seven and three beat UCF, lose to Texas. Okay, yeah, eight and four. Boy, a lot of eight and four teams in this conference. All right, Ryan. Eight and four teams. Ryan, you got a hard out. You're free. I'm going to close us out here with Texas. Uh, we will see you next week. Yeah. Um, Buy home field apparel. Scrap the midfield. Go Bucks. That's right. All right. See you, Ryan. Um. All right. Let's clo- let's close out here with Texas. Uh, folks, <laughs> I think you kind of know the deal here with Texas. They lose offensive coordinator Brennan Marion. They bring in uh, Kyle Flood as your new offensive play caller. Technically speaking, Steve Sarkeesian is probably your offensive play caller. Neither one of those options are great. I'm not super enthused about either one of those guys calling plays because Steve Sarkeesian is just not capable of getting out of his own way with the team. And so that's really, I think, what it's going to come down to here is, is there a bunch of talent here? Yes. Yes, obviously. There's a bunch of talent here. Um, will they find a way to fuck it up? Yes. Again, they went 8-4 and four last year. I believe they went 8-4. and four. Is that right? 
eight and five, of course. Yeah, they went eight and five, and they finished the season. You know, all of the numbers loved them. A lot of the rankings really liked them. And you can look at all of these losses, and you can say, yeah, they could have been. They could have been an amazing team. You know, they could have. Uh, they lost to Alabama by one, and that was obviously super close at the buzzer. And I think Alabama wins on the game-winning field goal. Um, lose to Texas Tech in overtime. Super weird game. One of the. Uh, one of the the worst, most unlucky losses of the season, if memory serves, for Texas there. Lose by seven at Oklahoma State. Lose by seven against TCU at home. Lose by seven to Washington in the bowl game, right? Like, all of these are close losses. And then most of their wins, you go down the board, most of their good wins, they took care of business against UTSA really easily. They won that game by 21. They took care of business against West Virginia. They crushed Oklahoma. They beat Iowa State by three, beat Kansas State by seven. That's a big-time win. Crushed Kansas and then took care of business against Baylor, right? Like, those are good wins. You can talk yourself into that. You can talk yourself into seeing what the numbers saw. Their offense was a little bit inconsistent if I'm going to be honest it was it, it did not show up as frequently as it probably should have given all the guys that are there um but you can you can see what everybody else is seeing you can see all of the talent that's here and you can see all of those guys pretty much coming back you can see a lot of continuity here with this team obviously at quarterback that's Quinn Ewers and we've talked about Quinn on here before uh, in both serious and unserious ways I'm on record as saying that I think Quinn is one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I think he is a a, a very, very good player. I do. Um, he had his issues uh, last season. He was also a pretty young starter taking over in an offense that he was new to. And I think he's going to get a lot better this year. I think Quinn's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I do think that. I, I think that this offense will be really good. I think that, that Xavier Worthy back at wide receiver is awesome. I think that's going to be a huge deal for them. I think Jordan Whittington has been here for a million years. I don't really have anything positive to say about him, but he's here. He's been here. Um, they get Isaiah Nayer back, who I think is going to be really, really helpful for them to have as a deep threat. They didn't have him last year because of the ACL tear. Um, they have, uh, I know they really like Jonte Cook, the second, the uh, the freshman, I think five-star wide receiver, Adonai uh, Mitchell, they brought in from Georgia everybody's going to mention him. I have to do it, but that kid sucks. We don't need to lie. Uh, we don't need to pretend that Adonis Mitchell is anything other than just like a replacement level SEC receiver, not a good player. Um, uh, so like there, there are some stars here. I think Worthy's a star. I think Nayer's going to be really good. Uh, rushing attack. I am interested to see what happens here. It seems like the starter is likely Jonathan Brooks. If I'm remembering correctly, if I'm looking at the right things, obviously they have a, a pretty significant gap to, to fill there with Bajan Robinson. I think that is, I talked on the, the ACC preview about football checkoffs guns. That is one to note for Texas that they have, no Bijan Robinson, that they need to find a guy to take over. Um, they like C.J. Baxter. They like Jonathan Brooks. I want to see it, I'm going to say. I want to see it. I think that this rushing attack could be kind of kind of suspect, even with a super, super, super veteran offensive line. Basically, everybody's back on the offensive line. Um, and, and so this does feel kind of like a, a tailor-made uh, playoff contender, a team that, that, that breaks through, a team that should break through, and all, you know, uh, all logical things would tell you that they're going to break through. They have the, the excellent sophomore left tackle in Kelvin Banks Jr. They have experience at basically every level. It is pretty much anything that you could look for they have here. They have Jatavion Sanders at tight end. The defense is 
really experienced. The defense has a bunch of guys back who people seem to really like, and then it added a couple guys who are really good as well. You have here on, on this defensive side of the ball, you have Baron Sorrell at, at, at the jack position. You have Tavondre Sweat at nose tackle. You have a really experienced secondary with Ryan Watts, Jade Barron, Jaron Thompson, right? You bring in Jalen Catalan. Like, there's there's a lot here. Jalen Ford's one of the best linebackers in the country. I can rattle off these names. <clears throat> Gavin Holmes arrives as well at cornerback um, from uh, from Wake Forest. So, like, you've got all these guys. We know you've got all these guys. You, you've got tons of talent. <laughs> we have all this stuff. But Steve Sarkeesian's your head coach, and you're Texas, and we've been here before. I understand this is helmet scouting. I understand this is going off of history, and football does not adhere to its history, and uh, things can always change, and you can only break through when you break through. But come on, guys. Come on. Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, they're going to go 11-1. and They're going to go 12-0. and Really? You really think that? Do you guys really think that, that they're going to do that? Or do you think that they're going to do what they always do, which is go into a season with a bunch of hype and then piss it away? with close losses when the pressure is on. Because I've seen them do that a lot more than I've seen them go 12-0. and I've seen them fuck it up. I've seen them crumble under the pressure and lose games that they shouldn't lose a lot more often than I have seen them play up to their actual potential. Come on. we Let's be smart about this. We, we, don't, need to, we don't need to pretend that we should believe in Texas right now. I, you know what? They could be great. They could absolutely be the team that everybody is seeing. The numbers are usually right. Bill Connolly's numbers are usually right. The experience is such. The turnover luck was bad last year. The injury luck was bad last year. That stuff should normalize. In all logical, just looking at them as a football team, if you remove the helmet, you remove the logo and the numbers and the coach, then, yeah, this is a playoff contender. But Steve Sarkeesian's your head coach and you're Texas. And the pressure's going to be on. And at some point, you got to deliver under that pressure, and they just don't ever do it. They don't ever do it. I know that. <laughs> I know that the roster is what it is, but at the end of the day, you have to trust these guys to think that they're going to go twelve and zero or eleven and one. And I don't, and I have no reason to. We look at the schedule here. <clears throat> they're going to beat Rice. That's one and zero. They're going to lose to Alabama, straight up. They're going to lose to Alabama. That's on the road. They are not ready for that game. Maybe at the end of the season they would be more ready for it, and I know that we are not super high on Alabama. They're not going to win that game. They, if they couldn't do it last year, they're not going to do it this year. Um, so that's one and one. They're going to come back home. They're going to beat Wyoming in, a, in an uncomfortable game. They will win, and it will, it will be sizable at the end, but it will not feel good. Um, they're, going to, they're going to beat Baylor as well at, uh, uh, at Baylor to go 3-1. and one. Come back home and play Kansas, which you all know how I how I feel about that. Um, man, I'd really like to. I'd really like to give that game to Kansas. I know it's at home, but I'd really like to give that game to Kansas because you know they're going to be looking ahead to Oklahoma. You know they're going to be looking ahead to Oklahoma. They will have just played a physical Baylor team and a physical Wyoming team and Alabama. Um, there's no, there's no one here to stop me. There's no one here to stop me from saying that Texas is three and two with a loss to Kansas. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You're gonna tell me that Texas won't fuck it up? No, you're not gonna do that because that would be wrong. Of course they will. Um, then it is Red River with Oklahoma. I think they win that game. I think they beat Oklahoma. I know what we said earlier, but I think they beat Oklahoma. 
um, because the pressure's off. Now they're not a playoff team anymore, and they can perform up to their actual standards. Uh, then they will go to Houston and win that game and beat BYU at home. So we're talking about 6-2. and two. Then it is Kansas State at home at TCU, um, at Iowa State, and Texas Tech at home to beat to, uh, to end the season. Um, I think that they lose one of... Kansas State, TCU, and Texas Tech. I think they lose one of those three. Of course, the one that they will end up actually losing to is Iowa State, but I think they lose one of those three games and end the season at a very disappointing but impressive to the numbers and enough to get the hype going for next season, 9-3, and three, because that is the Texas cycle.